I had to shake him on my last case, big O don't play. Alright guys, welcome back to another episode of the Musky Hunks Podcast. I'm one of your five hosts this evening, Ryan Reed. We also have several other hunks on the line and we have a guest again this week. So this is going to be an exciting one for us and let's go to the hunks that are on the line and we're going to start with Mr. Tom Venata. I'm first this week. You're going first. Ooh. There you go. Moving up and moving on up. The fire, the fire sauce, the jalapeno master himself. The Good true evening. hunkiest hunk. He is the hunkiest. <laughs> Good evening, sir. Good evening. All right. So we also have, again, our northern, well, not as northern as our guest, but our northern correspondent, Mr. Nick Fiesler. It's barely snowing today. Nah, no good. Hi, Nick. Hi, Nick. All right. We also have a new dad in the group. We're going to go to Mr. Donnie Swink next. Good evening, fellas. What's up, Donnie? Good evening. How's uh, how's dad life treating you? Uh, it's it's pretty awesome. It's uh, it, nothing prepares you for it. I'll say that no matter how many books you read, no matter how many people tell you what they you know, what's going to happen until you go through that uh it, it's crazy <laughs> that's all i can say well it's good to have you back we missed you on the last one so uh obviously had a, a pretty amazing excuse there but all good yeah. so good evening and we also have mr owen seaman and big o's bucktails what's up everybody you know right. the thing or two about what i'm talking about there yeah, I'll, I know. I, I got more kids than I know what to do with. <laughs> all 27 children over at That's the... That's what cuts uh, down scene. on my musky fishing. <laughs> all right. So we have a special guest tonight, so I'm going to kick it over to Owen, and uh, you can go ahead and uh, introduce him. Yeah, I'm really excited for tonight. Uh, this is one I've been looking forward uh, to for a while because we get to have a good friend of mine on, uh, Reagan Thompson, <clears throat> who is... We've been saying, uh, you know, for our guest is from up north. Well, he's coming to us from Canada, more specifically Ontario and the Lake Nipissing. I guess, Reagan, are you in North Bay right now? I'm in North Bay at the moment, yes. Okay, so he lives in North Bay, but uh, he runs his business, which is Paradise Cove uh, Cottages in Rentals out of Lake Nipissing. And that is on the west, what would that be? That's the south shore of the west bay right yeah it's in the west bay on about uh it's about an hour from here so just gives you a perspective of how big nipissing is like we're actually i'm actually not far from um the uh, east shore of nipissing where i sit right now but uh my resort is an hour drive away on the west side of nipissing and that's not even as far as you can go so big body of water and uh yeah so i live in north bay in the off season and then i run my business over in uh, at paradise cove um you know during the uh, fishing season so that's how I got to know Reagan was actually uh, with his previous business. He and his wife, Goldie, they owned Mashkinange Lodge, which was up on the west arm of Lake Nipissing, which is uh, uh, even, I guess, fur- further west on, on the lake. And they recently sold that, I guess, last year in 2020, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. 
And so they're, you know, they, they, he's got a lot of experience in the, uh, in the, you know, lodge running bit in the, the, the resort running business. But he also, on top of that is a guide on Lake Nipissing. So we're, we want to talk to Reagan tonight about, uh, you know, a number of his different pursuits, but first I just kind of want you to introduce yourself, Reagan, you know, where do you come from and, and, you know, what landed you on Lake Nipissing? Yeah. So, I mean, it's a really long story. Um, I'm from Ontario originally. Um, uh, what landed me on Nipissing is a long story. So, but we have two hours. So what the hell let's go let's That's right. Go right into it. <laughs> so, uh, so it's good. So no, so, um, uh, you know, I've been fishing my whole life. Um, I, uh, my uncle used to own a, a lodge up around, um, Lake of the Woods. Um, so as a, as a kid, I would go up to Lake of the Woods and do a lot of fishing up there and, uh, Lake Vermilion and, um, you know, all of the lakes in that area. So that's where I really kind of got my, um, my fever for just fishing in general. And, uh, of course I, you know, my uncle owned the lodge. So as a young kid going up there and, um, uh, going up to the lodge, I just sort of, I just love it. I, I love being at the lodge as a young kid. And, um, you know, it was funny. I, um, uh, I went to college and, uh, you know, took, took a, two different courses like business and environmental science and a couple things. And, uh, no matter what I did, I still always just thought about the lodge business. You know, I love the lodge business. And, uh, so, um, yeah, it's funny. Like I remember for my, um, for my business course, I actually wrote a, um, there's my wife, Goldie, get out of the hot tub. Hi Goldie. <laughs> Living the hot tub life. She's, oh, that's great. You got to see warm up here in Canada. So Goldie's having a, a nice hot tub. That's, How are you guys doing? Good. How are you? Good. good. Better now. Good to see you. Hopefully when we come up this September, I'll get to see you. Yeah, for sure. You're going to catch lots of musky. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Take care. See ya. Good to see you. So, yes. so Reagan, your, your uncle, your uncle owned a lodge. Did you do any musky? Like, was, was he a musky fisherman no, or was, did, was no, it just like no. outside? Yeah, he no? was actually, his lodge was on, um, it was on a lake called Big Lake Vermilion. Um, it was called Bowman's Northland Lodge and, uh, it wasn't a musky lake, but, um, you know, it had, uh, you know, big pike, big pike and, uh, um, bass and that sort of thing. So that's where I kind of got into it and, um, just fishing in general and, uh, you know, um, so then I sort of, I actually didn't start musky fishing until I was probably in my early twenties. That's when I started. And, um, what happened was, um, we, uh, I worked for a mining company and so we, uh, we bought a, um, we bought a house on Lake Shamong, which is in the Kawartha Lakes. Are you guys familiar with the Kawartha Lakes? I am. Yeah. That's, that's pretty close. That's uh, a lot closer to Toronto, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So it's, you know, pretty popular musky spot, not a lot of big muskies, but you know, like higher density. Um, and a lot of our listeners are from, you know, at least we believe are from Western PA in, in Pennsylvania. So right. I think knowing how close you and, and, you know, even the Kawarthas, those types of areas are to us here in Pittsburgh is, is in Northwestern PA. I think it would be surprising to people like that area, the Kawarthas, you could probably get there and from Pittsburgh in what, six hours, Nick? Absolutely. Yeah. It's not too far away. And uh, actually it's a great musky fish where you have, it's called the Tri Lakes and uh, it's Shamong uh, pigeon and buckhorn. And there's actually three or four other lakes in that area. Really good musky fishery, not a size fishery, but definitely a numbers fishery. Um, so anyway, so I, uh, yeah, I moved up there to work this, work for this mining company. We, we bought a place right on the water, kind of similar to your cottage, Owen, you know, you, you buy a place in the water and yeah. I just went hard. I just went hard for like four years. Like musky fishing went hard and, um, really fell in love with it. I remember the first musky I caught was a, uh, 
on the Kawarthas was like a 43 incher and we just thought it was a cow, you know, we thought like, like just a monster at the time. Right. Yeah. And that's where I kind of caught the bug. And, um, you know, it's funny because my trajectory of life after that sort of, um, you know, is sort of eluded, you know, professionalism and actually moved towards muskies, you know, because I had a good job at this mining company, but we were never quite satisfied. I mean, I was working for this mining company. My, my wife, Goldie was working for a finance company. And uh, we always wanted to do something more, something where we could kind of work for ourselves. So we found this. Um, so we started looking at lodges. We thought, you know, why don't we buy a lodge? That way we could sort of live our dream. So we found this lodge. Uh, we looked at a bunch of lodges, actually. And we had sort of like a short list of bodies of water that we wanted to be on. And, you know, we were looking at the big musky waters like, you know, St. Lawrence, Georgian Bay, Lake Nipissing, French River, things like that, Lake of the Woods. And, um, you know, uh, at the time, we're talking 2014, um, you know, these lodges, it's not like the real estate market now, these lodges are relatively inexpensive, you know, if you found the right one. Um, so we found this lodge called Lucky Strike on uh, the West Star of Nipissing. And, um, you know, it was a, it was a really good price. And uh, we thought, you know, um, we could get this and, you know, possibly have a new life. So anyway, I put, I put together a business plan to buy this place and I go to buy it. And, um, you know, my realtor told me, um, when I put in the offer that somebody else had bought it. So I'm thinking, Oh crap, like we're back to the drawing board now. So here we go again. And we looked for another three months, but then my realtor called me back again and he said, guess what? The people that bought it, they're selling it again. They got divorced. <laughs> so perfect opportunity, right? So we just moved hey, absolutely. In. We bought the place for us for, for a deal. It was in really, really rough condition. Um, luckily I have some contracting skills and my wife's pretty good at it too. Goldie, she's, she's very good at uh, fixing things up as well as I am. So we uh, bought this place and we just went, went mad for, you know, a couple of years fixing it up. And we took a business that was like, really didn't have many bookings at all into, you know, I mean, you've been there only, you know, busy. We, we, we absolutely. And I, and I would come in and I always came at the, you know, in the first week of the off season yeah. so, and it was, you know, and it, every cottage was packed when I've been up there. Yeah. So we really, we, we rebranded it, remarketed it. Um, and, you know, I remember like our family, members were telling us that we're insane for buying this place you know they said, you guys are nuts but it's it's like the ultimate dream right to buy a lodge and i mean it was a lot of work i, I would never do it again i don't think at the age i'm at now but at the time i bought it i think i was like 30 years old so i had lots of energy and uh you know i remember being in these cottages when it was like minus 30 um you know laying floors and working on these places just to kind of get it to where we wanted it to be Jeez. and so you know slowly but surely we, we brought it up to a level where we wanted it and um um, you know, I started doing more fishing and then, um, you know, to go further into how I got into guiding, um, a good friend of mine, Danny Columbi. So that's actually, let, let me stop you there. That's actually yeah. how I got, that's how I got your information was because of, I, I, I saw Danny Columbi. I don't know if it was in a Jim Sarek article or something like that, or, but it, it, oh no, it was, it was like the top five Ontario musky waters. And at the end of the article, it had like the person to contact, like, uh, you know, an option to contact on that lake. And for Lake, mm. everything else was, it was Lake of the Woods. Everything else was Eagle Lake, Lac Soul. But Nipissing, it was like, holy cow, that's, I could get there in nine, 10 hours. And right. it's on Jim Sarek's list. So yeah. I, and at the bottom, there's Danny Columbia's name. And so yeah. I, I, I emailed Danny. That was in 2017. And yeah. Danny immediately got back to me and said, Hey, you know, I'm kind of getting out of the business, but 
here's who I want you to contact, contact this guy, Reagan. And, and that's how I ended up contacting you to begin with was, was through, through Danny Columbia and that, you know, a, a muskie hunter article. Right. And, you know, it's funny because, um, because, uh, you know, when, when I first met Danny, like I, I was sort of just, you know, I was guiding for fun, um, out of the lodge and really didn't know what I was doing nipping at that point. Like I sort of had an idea like from fishing on the courses, but I really didn't know what I was doing, but I was guiding, but I would only guide out of my little area sort of on the West arm, you know, and Nipissing is like 70 miles long as a huge lake. So I remember one of my, um, one of my clients staying at the lodge booked Danny Columbia. That's when I first met him. And this guy shows up with like a, a, you know, a Triton 216 with a 300 on it. And I said to him, Oh, you're just going to be fishing around here. And he's like, no, he said, we're going to be, we're going to be covering about 40 miles today. And I was like, what you go that far. And so he sort of like expanded my horizons. as to like how big this lake really, really is. So, um, I low, I, I owe a lot to Danny because he's sort of, you know, he was, I call him the grandfather of Lake Nipissing, this guy, you know, I mean, there's been lots of good fishermen on Nipissing, but Danny was sort of like, he was, he, he's like a relic here. I mean, he's, he's a real, um, he, he's the grandfather of musky fishing on Nipissing and he really sort of expanded my, you know, my horizons in terms of what's available on this lake and what you can do. So I started sort of mentoring under Danny and it was perfect timing because Danny wanted to get out of the business. I wanted to get into the business. And so, you know, Danny sort of took me under his wing and showed me, you know, a lot of things. So that combined with what I already knew, I started guiding. And, um, you know, I think that's how we sort of got hooked up, you know, and then, you know. Absolutely. Sort of now, you, you're no, you don't, you're not just a musky guide. You do a lot more, you know, you do, you do multi-species, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so I, I probably, like, I probably guide um, 80 to 100 days a year type of thing. And I would say uh, it's, it's pretty much 50-50 multi-species musky. So I'll do walleye, pike, bass, and then I'll do musky as well. So well, maybe if Tom, if Tom can actually get into, get, get across the border this year, you'll have to, you'll have to book, book Reagan a pike fishing charter for Tom. Totally, yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> Dude, I'll do anything. Uh, there, Tom's, Tom's the anti-guide guy here in the group. No, uh, no, 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 no. I shouldn't no, no, say no. that. That's, I shouldn't Nick, say that. Nick spreads he's, false he's information the, on that. He's the, he's the, why, why do, why would I hire a guide when I can do it myself? No, I, no, 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 no. Let me fix So I'm saying that on like a Canon Dota. I'm not talking. Well, like of course, who the hell would hire a guide on, on my ever. Like, like, I'm not going to go out there in my 16 footer, but I'm not going to hire a guide on a little pond in Pennsylvania. No. I mean, this I lake we're talking about. Just to clear that up real quick. Sorry, Reagan. Spend, they're, they're, they're spreading okay. lies about me. It's you could spend lifetimes of musky fishing on Lake Nipissing and not not touch all of it. I mean, oh, yeah. it is that big. And if if you don't have a, I, I'll the first week when I went up there, my dad and I we fished for five days with no, you know with no guide, and then it was like I wish we had hired you on the first day which in hindsight is definitely the way to do it because you, you hire a guide on the first day, you learn so much and you pick the guide's brain. And I mean, learning, you know, fishing with you, the number of times I have, I feel like my knowledge on Lake Nipissing is, is much higher than it normally would be for someone who's only fished the lake, like maybe, you know, 15, 20 times. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a really, I mean, it's, unless you fish like a, like a Canadian shield lake, um, you know, like Nipissing, like, you know, you talk musky fishing, it's like um, the, the, the toughest lakes always hold the biggest fish. That's the way it seems to go. Right. So you look at the big bodies of water, like Georgian Bay and Nipissing and St. Lawrence, 
those are the hardest bodies of water to fish. They have the lowest uh, population density of muskies, but they're also the most rewarding. So, I mean, you can easily go out and nipissing for a couple of days, and not see a fish. Like I'm, I'm shocked actually at how many days, because I mean, we know, all, I, know I know all the spots. I, I know all the spots in nipissing, but I'm shocked at how many days we go out there and we see one fish and we catch one fish. And that's sort of what it is. And, you know, we probably, if I do 50 days of guiding on Nipissing, we probably average 50 fish a year. And that, and, you know, some days we'll have two, some days we'll have three, then we'll have a couple of goose eggs. And it's just amazing how quickly the, the, the lake shuts off. So if you're new and you're coming there, it's not like going to, um, you know, a small, like the Corthus, for example, or Lake St. Clair, where you sort of have a general idea of what's going on. You, you know, just drive around, you can catch fish. It's, it's so much more difficult than that. And if you don't, know the spots and you don't know where to go and the patterns it can be very very challenging plus that lake is incredibly daunting to to navigate uh i mean the it's it's in, there's so much shallow water that you can't see you know yeah. i would think that that's got a lot to got a lot to do with things too yeah like you're i mean the navionics charts are very good for nipissing like it's it's really good so if you're coming there for the first time like don't be intimidated like as long as you have your navionics charts updated you should be okay just don't drive in the dark blue and you should be fine um but um it's just a massive body of water and no one you like you know what it's like you've been fishing with me for you know what like five years now yeah something like that and you know it's um uh there's certain spots that really 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 produce and there's uh, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't do anything and um, if you go there for the first time, you know, you're fishing on a lake that's like 70 miles long. Um, you can fish a lot of dead water um, for a long time and not catch anything. You know, sometimes guys come up and they, um, they and I, I appreciate that. Like I'm the same way. Like when I go to new body water, I want to experiment and try new things for myself. But I mean, you can, you can go there and cast, you know, islands and shoreline for a week and not even see a fish. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's not uncommon. Um, but there are certain patterns in certain areas that hold fish that we've sort of, you know, I figured out, Danny's figured out that we sort of put all the pieces together. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it seems to me whenever I'm, whenever I'm fishing with you, it seems to me, we, we focus on what, what we talk about as being the big fish spots, but there are, you know, thousands and thousands of, of spots off of those spots that, that you could fish. Um, that I, I mean, have to be holding fish. Well, it's funny, like, you know, I would, the way I would sum it up is like, um, as a guide, what I try to do every day when I go out is I, I ha- like, I have, you know, I have a lot of spots, right? And I try to grade my spots. That's, that's sort of how I get through my days. So I have A spots, I would say like, you know, A spots, B spots, C spots, and D spots, you know? And I sort of prioritize my time around those spots. You know, that being said, the, like the A spots are amazing. I mean, they're, they're, we have, and we don't have a lot of those spots. Like we have like a handful of those A spots that we can sort of, but what we'll do is we'll focus like, you know, 30 to 40% of our day on those A spots. And then we'll go to the B spots and the C spots. But the funny thing is the really, really big fish, a lot of times come off like the D spots or even the, you know, E spots, you know? So it's like, you can't stop fishing new things um, because a lot of those A spots now are community spots. Like, there's spots out there that we had to ourselves for the longest time, A spots that nobody else knew about. And it was so easy. We would go, we would drive up to these spots and we would catch fish every time. And it was to the point where between myself and the other guides on the lake, like, you know, you have Sean Dugane and Pat Tryon, some of these spots we knew about, but we, you know, we're trying to keep it on the down low, but um, pretty, you know, sooner or later guys find out about the spots, obviously you're guiding and I can't, you know, I'm, I signed a deal with the devil. I'm showing people spots. 
So right. I get that. And then, but you, you pull up to your spot, there's guys there. It's like, and those spots get burned and then you got to find new spots. So it's, it's, it's a, it's a constant challenge out there to sort of prioritize your time every day. You have eight hours on the water. How can we most productively spend our time out there to, to have success? You know, Ryan, I saw you had a question. Yeah. Sorry. I was trying to unmute. No, I just, so to your point and what, what we've kind of been talking about, you know, particularly with those types of lakes, when you get a body of water, it's just that big. Like I've noticed here, like hiring a guide initially is one of the best things. Like you always hear that at like a, a musky show, they'll, you'll talk to these guys and you'll listen to some of the seminars and they always say like hiring a guide is your best thing to do whenever you're first starting out. I used to laugh at that initially. Cause I thought it was like one of those like gimmicky things where it's like, Oh, just, you know, this is a way to get business, but it's so completely accurate and true. Like to me, that's just like such a valid point to be able to go to a place like Nipissing and hire somebody that's already been there, done that. But one of, but really like one of my questions, I kind of wanted to go back to uh, the Danny Columbia piece. Cause what I wanted to ask was like, when you originally got hooked up with Danny, like, as far as I know, what I know about Danny is he's like, again, one of those like legendary musky fishermen that, that you hear about in specific areas. So, you know, we have somebody like here, if I get to fish with somebody that's been doing this for 25, 30, 40 years, how, however long, like to me, that's always been a big deal. So my question for you, Reagan, is whenever you first like initially started talking with him, fishing with him, like, how was that dynamic initially? Does that, was that something that you were like super excited about initially, or is it just like one of the local guys in the area? You're just going out and doing some musky fishing. Uh, yeah. Like, like, no, like, like Danny is a super, like, like he really opened my eyes. Like he really impacted the way I look at fishing. Um, a lot of guys have, I fished with a lot of guys, you know, like, you know, Bob Azumi, uh, um, and a lot of guys that I fished with him But Danny. One thing that struck me about Danny is his, um, attention to detail and, um, his patience. And, um, you know, one of the funny things about, um, I'll tell you a funny story. So, so Danny, one of the things that he does is he, um, he marks everything. And I mean, everything on his GPS, he has a, he's a Lawrence. I'm not sure if you guys use hummingbird or Lawrence or what you use, but, um, I use Lawrence, Danny uses Lawrence. And so Danny on his days off would go out and he would not even take a fishing rod. He would go out for eight hours and he would mark every single weed bed, every rock pile, everything. So when you pull up to a spot, you know exactly what you're casting at. And, you know, beyond that, he would even mark the, the deep, the, 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 um, the thickest part of the weeds. Um, and it's, it's so funny because, um, I started doing that and I, you know, I, I, I took Danny's data as well. And I started expanding on it. Now we have 40,000 waypoints on Nipissing 40,000. We have so many waypoints that, um, Danny actually crashed the Lawrence, uh, the, the Lawrence system. And, uh, had, and he had to get in contact with the guys at Lawrence and they wouldn't even believe it that he crashed the system because he had too many waypoints. So we have so many now, what we have to do is break it into different banks. So we have to have different, like we have like, I don't know, like 14 banks of waypoints. That yeah. So we have to like, like you, you have to stop as you're driving across the lake, like it to, because you're entering another area where you got to switch the, the, what, you know, the, the bank and completely change the, yeah. all the waypoints. I mean, it's, it's in, incredible how big this body of water is and how much information they have stored in their electronics about, about that lake. It's That's incredible. It, it, took it, me, it, it took me almost a whole day just to figure out what each, each icon stood for and, what, right. What well, I was that's looking at on there. Nick. That's interesting because that's uh, when I've never seen this 
in terms of you know fishing with electronics you think uh, like you're you're standing at the on the front casting deck and the graph that you're looking at that's in front of you ryan if you were on a guide's boat or, or let's say you're fishing with the, the the muddy creek guys what is on that graph in front of you is it the down imaging is it the uh you know what is showing on that graph i think i think it kind of depends because with them you know i see a lot of like the gps and then i see vance doing a lot of like 2d yeah okay like because 2D that's because that's pretty standard with reagan he they, they have so many waypoints like when you're casting a certain spot you know you're looking at the at the the screen right in front of you and it's not any 2d it's not it's nothing side scan anything like that it's just the the gps and or the i guess the nav i guess that would be the the navionics yeah, right yeah, yeah background and you're like you can see the spot you can see you know, we pull up to it and it's like, okay, you're obviously casting up here, you know, at the 10 o'clock angle because you can see it on the graph, but in, but you're looking at all these little weed spots or, and I remember Nick saying, what's the, uh, what's the, what's the exclamation point? Cause there were like two X, two or three exclamation points, like right nearby. And Reagan's like, Oh, those are (laughs) fifties. You know, you, but you can, you can cast at these, you know, markers on, on, you know, on the GPS. I mean, it's, it's amazing. It, it really changes. You can look at how, I guess the guide is looking at the spot, right? Like what are the spots on the spot? And so really, you know, another really interesting thing I learned from that is like, for example, let, let's say I have like a really big weed bed. I assume you guys have big weed beds down there, right? We so, do, but, but it's not like there because it's okay. ours are typically, most of our lakes are bowl, like kind of right. bowl shaped yeah, yeah. and the weed beds are around. So there's not Rimmer a lot of lake. free lake. Yeah. Freestanding lake weed beds. Like you get on Nipissing. Yeah. Cause, cause in Nipissing, we have these like vast weed beds that stretch for like miles, like huge weed beds. And, you know, so obviously we focus on like weed lines and things like that. But what's really interesting is we marked the, uh, the thicker spots of the weeds yeah. Like where weeds get really thick, we mark that that shit. And um, we always get the fish in the thick spots. Like sometimes we'll pick them up off the edge just outside. But for the most part, like we, you know, we either spinnerbait troll or cast through these thick spots. And that's where we get them. So if we didn't mark that information, if we didn't spend the time to like really mark all those 40,000 waypoints, whatever it is on Nipissing, um, we'd be flying blind. And I just can't believe how, how, you know, the margin between success and error is so small when you're musky fishing. If we didn't do that, like, I can't even imagine how, you know, how many fewer fish we would catch, you know? That's one thing I've got to give you credit, you and Dan, like, that's the most methodical waypoint system I've ever seen. Yeah. That's just well, phenomenal. Well, I'll tell you a really funny story. So you guys know Bob Azumi, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fish yeah, so can. anyway, so, so I had Bob up to the lodge for a show, right? And um, so we had to go in his boat because his boat was a sponsored boat. So, uh, so I said to Bob, I said, Hey, why don't we load up, you know, the waypoints on your, uh, you know, all Danny's waypoints on your Lawrence. So it'll, we can see what we're doing. So we load up all the waypoints on, uh, on Bob's, uh, uh, on Bob's unit and it almost crashes the unit and Bob's looking at these waypoints and you know how Bob talks with it, sort of that, that, uh, the voice that Bob talked with, he, he looks at me, he says, Reagan, let me ask you a question. Does Danny smoke a lot of pot? (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, who else would come up with that shit? You know what I mean? Like, he's like, so per- like even a per- even a professional angler couldn't believe that like there was a guy that detail oriented in doing that. And you know, it's funny because I know guys that don't like do waypoints a lot. Like for example, like Mike Lazarus, like probably the most famous musky guide of all time. Maybe because of the waters he fishes, doesn't do a ton of that. I don't know. Maybe I, I don't think he does anyway. From what I've heard. Some guys don't do a lot of that, but uh, I, I can tell you, like, we're, on Nipissing, it's very, very important. There's Russell. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Makes a huge difference. Russell. What's up, Russell? Nothing much. What about you? Not too, not too much, man. Hey. Here, I got you Good. something to eat, too. Oh, I, I think guess. so. Perfect. Thank you, hon. Not like you're going to be eating when you're doing yeah. a podcast. I'll be, I'll be. Yeah. Get him a, a Lake Nipissing special to go with it. Yeah, so Lake, you guys, oh yeah, Lake Nipissing special. Yeah, remember those? Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Drink. Yeah, I can't oh, even yeah. remember what's in those, but they're really good. Ooh. I think it was mostly vodka. Yeah, <laughs> I, think so. I, think, I think you're right, too. Yeah, those are so, delicious. So speaking of pike fishing earlier, you got you and you guys have fished in pike tournaments together, you and your son, right? Yeah, we did a pike tournament. We we did the uh, the, the West Arm Pike tournament, and uh, Ru- Russell Russell won the, the junior angler, didn't you, buddy? Yeah, he won junior nice. angler. Good job. Oh. And that day, that the- very nice. Yeah, that day I caught five walleye over twenty three inches. So that sucks. Okay. In a pike tournament. Oh, very nice. So that was pretty <laughs> cool. So we were targeting walleye, but we had a great walleye day that day. So that was good. That's how it yeah. goes. Yeah, that's that that's top cool. 50 pike tournament. Yeah, the top 50 pike tournament. Yeah, it's a big, okay. big pike tournament up here. Yeah. yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah. Does Does Russell do any musky fishing? I've got uh, a musky. Yeah, yeah you got you got a 40. What was it? 44 this year? 44, 48, something between. Yeah, them. something. It keeps getting bigger. Yeah, <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> it keeps getting bigger. I think it was a <laughs> but it was a nice fish, beautiful fish. I we took him out and uh, actually we caught it off the off one spot. That one spot close to our place zone. And oh, yeah? and, uh, we didn't have a lot of time. Russell didn't want to stay out all day. So we went out for, for probably, I don't know, three hours and uh, we hit this spot on the way back and we got him a nice fish. So it was good. Great yeah, chance. Good, awesome. Yeah. It jumped out of the air pretty high. That's yeah. Fun. It was a good, uh, it was a jumper. That's the most exciting part. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's what I knew. I was hey, going to hey, catch Hey, Russell, somebody. tell Owen about uh, when you watched his video, you just absolutely loved it. Remember when Owen caught that big fish? Oh, yeah. That's pretty funny. That's one of my favorite fishing videos. Is it? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's GoPro the old video. 54. Yeah, I had the old 54. That was nice. Yeah. Oh, that's, believe me, that yeah. is a day that I, I will never forget. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, that, that was fun. Yeah, that was fun. Absolutely. That's that's going back. That's 2017. So that's that's now yeah. five years ago. It's it's getting, it's going back there for sure. Yeah. I guess we should formally introduce our new guest, right? Oh, yeah. This is Russell. This is Russell Thompson, right? This is my this is my son Russell Thompson. He's the next uh, the next guide here on Nipissing and the next lodge owner if he if he chooses to do so. All right. So uh, you know he's got a lot. Or is he going to be here? Or is he going to be the next hockey player? That could be too, because that's because that's what we all do in Canada, right? We play hockey. <laughs> <laughs> well, he or, he does. You got you coach, right? Uh yeah, I do. Yep, yep. Not much. Okay, not good. Anymore, yeah, not, th- this year I'm not co- uh, this is my first year not coaching so Russell's uh he's moved on to another team now I'm not coaching anymore and it's kind of nice like coaching was fun but I'm also glad to stop doing it and let Russell do his own thing so I don't blame so you yeah I wouldn't want to have to deal with parents oh god yeah. oh he still has to with his referee uh, I'm a referee also in hockey so oh man yeah so I, I take a lot of grief believe me it's uh yeah. You might take more heat as a referee than a coach. 
Yeah, maybe as a guide, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so so you get as a, as a resort owner, well, I, I shouldn't say resort. I mean, now your your place isn't a lodge, so to speak. It's mm. more Paradise Cove is now more of just cottages that you can that can be rented. There it's not necessarily you're going to a lodge so per se. Yeah, so so it's a bit different. So Masconange Lodge was like your typical fishing lodge, like that was your fishing lodge. Um, it had 13 cottages. It was, uh, it was more, you know, it was rustic, um, but more for anglers. Um, while we still own Masconange Lodge, I think in like 2000, uh, what year did we buy that place? 2018, maybe we bought Paradise Cove. Um, it's more of a, it's, it's larger cottages. It's more of an Airbnb type of thing, right? So nicer cottages, much nicer cottages, but less cottages. So we sold Masconange Lodge once the, the whole real estate COVID thing hit. We got out of that and we, and we just, and then we just kept Paradise Cove Resort. So, so that's where we are now. It's, it's a lot less to manage. Yeah. And are you able to fish more now? Absolutely. Yeah. I, well, I'm, I'm probably not guiding quite as much as I was, but I do get to fish more. We have more time because when you're running a lodge, well, we were running two lodges with 16 cottages. Um, it's nonstop. Like I'd be guiding, you know, Goldie would be, you know, running things back at the resort and, and Russell would be doing chores and, uh, we miss the Americans, you know, it's, it's, uh, we're, we're so, we're so glad you guys are coming back Thank now. You. Yeah. But, uh, I can't imagine how, how difficult it has been on the tourism industry up there. Uh, you know, with, with, um, Americans not being able to come up there. I mean, yeah, it's, no, I mean, yeah it, it's been really like, you know, we were, we were fortunate because we're in Northeastern Ontario. So we still got a lot of people from Toronto and Kitchener, um, Southern Ontario, but the lodges in Northwestern Ontario, like Lake of the Woods, they really had a hard time. So I, I really feel for those guys. And you guide a lot more with Americans. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I, I do. Yeah. Tom, you had a question. Yeah. I have a couple kind of about like the whole lodge. Owner. I, maybe I'm jumping ahead here, but um, yeah, go for it. So you said you have like what, 16 cottages now? We did have 16. Now we're down to, now we're down to three. Okay. Do you, is it just you guys or do you have like a staff or. So when we had, when we had both lodges running at the same time, we definitely had a staff. We yeah. had uh, cleaners and a couple full-time, you know, students, that sort of thing. But now that we've sold Masconange Lodge, we now that we own just the Paradise Cove Resort, we just have some cleaners and like a part-time kind of worker that helps us out and that sort of thing. So way more manageable. Oh, yeah. So like, what would that consist of? I mean, like the standard day in the life of a lodge owner. I mean, are you do you do it all? Are you like the handyman? Are you the landscaper? Are you yeah. everything? Or Yeah, you, got, you have to do everything. Like, I, you know, I fix, I, I unplug toilets, I fix pipes, <laughs> um, you name it, man. Like there's, it's just, it, there's just so many moving parts to a lodge. So, you know, if luckily my young worker guy, Luke, like he's a student, he's really handy. So if I'm out guiding, he can deal with most problems, but I'd be out there guiding a lot of days. And, you know, I see my phone ring and I see that's my wife calling. Like, it's like, you know, in the middle of the day when I'm guiding, I'm like, this cannot Uh-oh. be good. <laughs> oh yeah. We have a problem at the lodge. There's a, like a water main is broken or something like that. Or a, a toilet or a septic's backed up. So then I have to like, you know, either go back in and I could be 40 miles out of Nipissing or try to get my guy there to deal with it, you know? So it was definitely very stressful. Um, but now that we have just the one property, it's not nearly as bad as it was when we had, uh, when we had Masconange as well. So yeah, so now I have way more time to guide, way more time just to fish and have fun. And so now it's like, you know, 
we have changeovers on Saturdays because we book Saturday to Saturday. So we'll have our changeover on a Saturday. And then, you know, really like I'm, you know, working Saturdays and then I'll guide throughout the week. And then I, I do a changeover on Saturday and that's sort of it. And then there's the off season work, which is like renovations and stuff. But really, it's not bad. It's I, I, it was really bad, but now it's at a level where it's not so bad. So manageable. That's, I mean, when I was younger, I always thought that was like the dream, have a lodge, be a guide and stuff. And when you think of that, like when you're younger, you're like, oh, you just fish all the time. And then as you get older, you realize, like you said, well, what if a toilet clogs or what yeah. if you dig a drain? <laughs> yeah. Like there's a lot yeah. more to owning a lodge than just like fishing every day. Well, that. I think it was oh. Sean, Sean Gagne on, uh, on, I think maybe the Ugly Pike podcast. He was saying one of the guys, he, he's got like some 20 some ice huts or something on the lake. And one of the guys was saying, you know, said, oh, man, you must make a killing or whatnot. And he's like, you know, it's all great until, you know, until I'm the guy that has to you know, go out and change all of the uh, the latrines or, you know, whatever <laughs> yeah. the, the, the shitholes are oh, that, that you have yeah. to deal with on the on in the ice fishing. Man, I can't. And then when he said that, I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good yeah. point. Yeah, you you know, so you're like a landlord and a guide. Like it's it's like a. Yeah, it's, no. I, I, always, I always say there's a difference between wanting to own a lodge and owning a lodge. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. There's a you difference f- in that. It, it is. I mean, my, my like myself and Goldie have been through so much like adversity with the place. And it's like, she's laughing. It's like, you know, we, we were like at each other's throats, you know, so many times. Luckily we're still married. How many still- times did you see my number and you're like, Oh my God. Oh yeah. And I got hung up on a lot when I really, oh, I was just saying, I can't fix it right now. Sorry. Click. <laughs> Like, Believe me, I, I can't imagine. We're still I, happily you know, married. You know, marriage but, is uh, hard enough. God. Oh God, it was it was really you know it was rough, man. And and um, I'm glad we're. Oh, but you know what? It was great because we met a lot of great. People. We met so many great people. No, I I I, I really love the business. I I would yeah. recommend it to anybody, but yeah. just the right kind of person, I would say. Yeah, so. The other thing that's interesting to me, and you and and Reggie, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I feel like owning a lodge where you're at is a lot different than owning a lodge. Like let's say in Pennsylvania, you know, on a specific lake. Cause like you had talked about that, like negative 30 degrees and like, dude, I, I just like thinking about where some of those places are located and what you would have to do to maintain that. And then to add like the snow and the weather and everything else, that's a lot different you know, even though you're not that really that far from us hour wise, like it's a, it's a little different weather here. So right, I just, let me ask this. What do you do with the hot tub in the winter? Oh, we leave it open. What? Yeah. We leave the it one open. down by the lake. Yeah. Yeah. It's still open. Yeah. Huh. We love it. We go there all the time. It's fantastic. We have, I have guys there right now. They're checking in tomorrow actually. And they're going to, they'll be in the hot tub. No shit. Yeah. I, yeah. Huh. Okay. Sorry, it's, it's, Ryan. Didn't no, mean to jump no. in there, but your question made me think about that. We we, so, we we got electricity, like it'll run, you know. Like <laughs> that's just wild because I just feel like it's set, like again the snow and like the cold up there is just a little different. You know, now I'm thinking in my head. Worst case scenario, you're in the hot tub. It's negative thirty, and the power goes out. Well, the yeah. hot tub is not close to the house. I mean, the hot tub is down at, on the dock. Like you got to walk. You'd have to walk you know, probably, I don't know, a hundred yards maybe to, to get up to the house. So, I mean, you're going to yeah. freeze your, your nads off. Yeah. I mean, we were just there a couple nights ago having hot tubs and you're right. Like, like by the time you walk down there, like you're frozen, 
And uh, like Nick, we had a hot tub. Remember? Yeah, I was I was gonna say you guys. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't want to bring up the the, we were, the bromance. That hey, they man, had. just don't worry about the bromance. And we, we the first night. So was, so the great, first man. night. We, first myself, night, I went to bed early, and I wake up the next morning, and and and, and I'm like, what what did I miss? And Nick's like, a little hot tub session. There's a lot of deep convert, deep conversation right. in there, yeah. and it was good. We talked a lot of musky. It was get good. back to my Canadian yeah. roots. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So let's get back to muskies. <laughs> um, you know, I came to Nipissing because of that one Jim Sarek article, and it was for one specific purpose, and that was because it was a noted trophy musky lake. Um, you've said that it's it's not necessarily a numbers lake. It, I mean, it's it, it's not a numbers lake. It is a big fish type of type of water. Mm. So if someone was to come up and and you know hire you as a musky guide for a day, you know what would somebody be expecting, or or would it be better for someone to come up there with the expectation of maybe you know hiring you for two or three days because that would give you a more realistic chance of of you know, catching a big fish? Um, that, that's a good question. I would say for sure uh, you want to come up for a couple of days, two or three days would be optimal. Um, that being said, um, from a guide's perspective, if you get skunked one day as a guide, it's not so bad. If you get skunked two or three days in a row, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. And it hasn't happened to me very often. I haven't been skunked very often. It did happen to me. Um, it's just such a, such a, like, a sad guide story, but, um, I think it was like two years ago. I had some guys hire me for the first, for the opener, right? Musky opener and musky opener on Nipsey. I'm not sure what it's like there guys, but I mean, musky opener on Nipsey, it can be tough, man. Like the fish are just, it's post spawn. The fish are everywhere. They're spread all over the place. There's no weeds up that the fish are just spread out all over the place. And I always hate musky opener. I try not to book stuff until later, like probably, uh, middle of July at the earliest, you know, because I just don't Yeah, like I was going to say musky opener so, for you is what, end of June? It's like the third yeah, week in last, June or something? Saturday of June. So anyway, these guys booked me for like three days, at the, you know, the first for the opener because they're all eager. They want to get out. And uh, we got skunked in three days. Like we didn't see a fish in three days. And that sucks when you're a guide and you can't give your clients a fish in three days. I mean, everyone's been there, like all the guys, have, especially on Nipissing, right? Um, so I would say... For sure, you want it about two or three days, but the opener can be tough. So uh, I think things start on Nipissing. Things start to set up more consistently, I would say, by the middle of July. That's when things sort of start setting up more consistently. Because the problem is when the weed beds aren't up, fish are just sort of scattered. And uh, on Nipissing, we have this sort of like, it's sort of like an open water, open water pattern that happens early in the season where the um, the spawning females, they just sort of like, if there's no weed beds to hold them, they just sort of like, it's weird. They just, cause, cause the, the, the top column of the water is warmer. They'll just sort of like hang out, um, you know, in not deep water, but not necessarily related to any structure. So they could be like just suspending like off of a point, like 20 feet off of a point in like six feet of water. So the only way to contact those fish is to either like, you know, just cast random, like kind of, you know, deep water where they're suspended shallow or troll around these areas. So that can be really tough. So, um, so I always, you know, if you really want to, I say the best bite is like kind of like middle of July on that's when, and probably the best would be like August and September is probably the best, the best bite on Nipissing. And yeah, you want to do two or three days if you can, because it just, 
you know, we've had days where we've, we've had like, you know, 14 to 20 musky encounters in one day. And then the next day you get none. It's just so strange. All the same spots, you know, it's just so strange how they turn on and off. So if you're on, if you book one of those days where nothing's happening and the fish just aren't going, then uh, the next day could be totally different. So do you relate things much to the moon phases? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, some guys are more into moon phases than others, obviously, as you guys know. Um, for example, Danny is like really into the moon phase thing. Personally, um, I just try to like just fish the same way all the time. because I think it can mess up your confidence. But for sure. In, yeah. in the fish, in the fishing that we've done together, I don't think we've we've caught many fish during the majors or minors. I mean, it's no. well, I, I mean, it, it our, our success is not necessarily been related to that on lake nipissing where yeah. is maybe that's uh, maybe that's because it's that body of water or do well, you do you we always pay attention to it like we always say hey a major's at such and such time but it's not very often that that coincides with a big fish the thing you gotta remember too is like you know your major and your minor that that, that consists of like three hours of your fishing day that's a lot of yeah. time so it's it's easy to say oh well you know and and, you know, guys will say, oh, well, we caught that one half an hour before the, the major and the major, major's two hours long. It's like, okay, well, we're fishing for eight hours and three hours of that are majors and minors. It's like, you know, I'd like, is it, does it really mean right. that much? Of it? I, I don't know. I mean, when you put it I, that way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's the same with the, um, the moon phases, I think make a bit more of a difference. Like the actual moon phase. I always find a nipissing like the days, it's really weird. Like the days leading up to like the, the moon phase, like let's say you have a full moon it's always better to for the, like the three days before the full moon is always the best. I have noticed that. And what's really interesting is sometimes the, the actual day of the full moon, like sucks, like there's nothing happening. And it's funny. Um, a told me that, you know, he has a theory on that. I asked him and he said, what he thinks happens is that, um, on a full moon, um, if you don't have any cloud cover, the fish are feeding all night. And then by the time the next day comes they're you know, they don't want any more. That's oh, it. Full, yeah. So you can have like nothing happen on a full moon day. We've had that lots of, lots of musky fish were in book the full moon. And, you know, the last me, like, what do you guys like, you know, what, what do I recommend you that you book? And I, I always say book the three days before the full moon because that's the, or the new moon. And that's, that's usually the best. This theory is surprising to me because like I, I do a lot of night fishing down here and granted our situation down here is like a way different. It's a different arena than what you're dealing with up there. Yeah. Like it always seems like night fishing the full moon is for whatever reason kind of sucky. And I don't know if that has to deal with like how light it is through the night or what, but it's like I, I just I cannot make it happen during a full moon at night down here. It's like I might as well stay home. Like that's how bad it is sometimes. Yeah, maybe. Like I don't know. It's like weird. Yeah. yeah. That's a really Deep. cool theory though. But they always they always say too, like I don't I don't know what your guys experience experiences on this. But Jim Sarek told me when I had him up that um, only like only really pressured lakes produce well for night fishing in general, you know, because um, we've tried on Nipissing. Like, we've tried night fishing on Nipissing. And maybe guys have done better than I have. But I mean, we I've tried it enough that we haven't done well enough that I can really say I would go night fishing for all the all the headaches that it, you know, goes along with night fishing. I don't think I would really do it anymore. Like, I'm not sure. Do you, have you guys had luck doing that? No, yeah, that was one. Of, that was yeah. going to be one of my questions for you there. I didn't yeah. know if that was even a possibility with like, because I know Nipissing is a pretty dangerous lake. I didn't even know if that was a thing to get out there in the dark on there. Yeah, no, we uh, we we've tried it. Like we've done night fishing, and um, you know, I think guys have done okay night fishing, but um, relative to what, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it's 
I mean, you might stumble into a fish or whatever, but um, I don't think Nipissing is, uh, we're getting a lot more pressure now than we have, but I still don't think it's pressured enough to really um, have a good night fishery because that's what happens, right? Like if a fishery gets pressured, the mm -hmm. corthers are like that. Fish are feeding at nighttime. They start avoiding anglers, right? And down here, our pressure, like, especially a few of the rivers I fish, it's like a totally different scenario. I mean, you're dealing with like inflatable flamingos and pirate ships and like house music all day like that. So like, and that was why I started doing that. I'm like, these fish all day, they're getting kicked in the head by like party boaters. So they're probably a little more comfortable feeding at night, maybe. I mean, and that's like what you're saying about pressure. I agree with that a thousand percent. Yep. Do you have you ever noticed any like uh, hatches on nipsing like mayflies or anything like that? Yeah, we have a mayfly thing that happens like uh, I think it's like the first uh, first or second week of June. We have this huge mayfly hatch, and it's actually to the point where like mayflies come out of the sand, so it's not so bad on the west side of the lake, but over here on the North Bay side, it's so mm -hmm. bad that the, this there's so many mayflies in in downtown North Bay. That the municipality has to like um i think they spend something like twenty twenty thousand dollars or something I, I forget what it is but they spend a significant amount of money they budget for it to clean up the mayflies they're everywhere they're all over the stores everything because of all these mayflies <laughs> and so the walleye fishing sort of, sort of shuts down when the mayfly hatch happens they eh? like the, right you know, so people complain about the walleye fishing when the mayfly hatch happens because obviously they're just gorging on the um on the mayflies so yeah can you catch can you catch walleyes during the mayfly hatch with, you know, like match the hatch? Uh, you know, I, 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 I haven't tried to match the hatch. With the <laughs> I just got to do my own thing. Like, you know, my, 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 my big walleye rig is the, uh, the, the bottom bouncer slow death rig. That's what I like to use for walleye. And uh, it's, it's pretty boring fishing. I, I'm surprised a lot of guys like it, but you know, guys do, they like the walleye fish, you know, so, so we'll, we'll, we sort of stick to, to what works and I haven't experimented it, part of the box. It amazes me how many guys you see up there sitting in one spot all day, jigging walleyes. <laughs> I and, can't you know, <laughs> listen, I have nothing, all, you know, to, you know me, I'm a multi-species. We, we we're buzzing by them in the morning, going out musky fishing. We buzz by, we're coming back in the evening and they're still jigging for walleyes and they call, they don't call them walleyes. They're pickerel. Oh yeah, pickerel. That's what they call them in Canada, pickerel. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, know me. Yeah, I'm a multi-species nut, but I cannot fathom driving to Canada to fish for walleye. <laughs> I'm well, sorry. Like, like I have nothing against walleye. I have friends that well, are diehard walleye guys, but like, do it here if you're going to Canada. I mean, come on. Man. I think that's well, a. Can you imagine, though, like, look we at have, Lake Erie? You go out on these yeah. charters, like you know, thirty miles out to do what? Catch walleye. Yeah. They love it. They love it, man. I got buddies that live for it. They're probably, I got a buddy right now that's listening, shaking his head at me. He he lives, eats, breathes, sleeps walleye. And I, I've never caught a walleye that fights harder than a shopping bag. <laughs> I, <know>. I don't <laughs> get it either. Like, I really don't get it. But, you know, I mean, they're fun. But yeah. um, it's funny because guys come up here from Ohio for walleye. I'm like, what are you guys doing? You have like, you're on Erie. Erie is like the best walleye fishery in the, like, right? Yeah. yeah, and yeah. what's your guys's like keep limit? You're only allowed to keep like one or yeah. one day. So, so there's a new slot. It's like you're allowed two fish between. It's like something like between 15 and 18 inches. You're allowed two fish, something right. like that. But um, and you know, but it's not as good as it's not as good as like Erie by any stretch. I mean, right. 
like Nipissing is good, um, but uh, it's Northern Ontario good. Like Lake Erie, I've never yeah, fished, I've never fished the Ohio walleye thing. Like I have lots of buddies that do it, and they I want to go. But apparently, like I'm, you guys just like drive around and just have your limit in like no time, eh? They yeah, like half an hour for six five guys. by five, I think. Right, Nick? Yeah. yeah. Like, they, 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 I mean, you can have thirty six fish in the boat in a half hour. That's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. That, that, like, that, that won't happen here. They yeah. try to get their limits yeah. by five a.m. I think. So think like about that as a guide. Mm-hmm. You know, as a guide, someone's you know they're paying you to you, you limit out. What do you do? Do you turn around and go back in? Yeah, then well, they the just thing. yeah they're yeah. running multiple charters a day. They're able to knock out you know three four trips a day, slamming out limits all day. It's it's like a full money farm. And don't get me wrong, I would, I'm sure the walleye fishing Reagan is awesome up there. But when faced with all those opportunities, I mean, you got like pike, you have muskie. Like I can't imagine being like I'm going walleye fishing today. Well, it's funny. Like I asked the guys from Ohio, like why do you guys come up for walleye fishing? They say, oh, it's for the scenery, you know. Yeah. Right for the knowledge of the scenery and you know don't get me wrong the walleye fishing isn't bad it's good but it's not as good as like erie but you know that being said i think the wall i think like guys have told me that it tastes better out of the northern hmm. lake They're, you know i don't know um in the and- scenery there, there is a point to that i mean i would much i would much rather be jigging for walleyes in northern ontario than surrounded I, by 45 I, boats on lake erie and people exactly you know with, with the, four uh, of your buddies smokestacks in the air you know <laughs> you know all, yeah i mean that's not that's not my idea of a relaxing and that's not necessarily my idea of sportsmanship either you know uh you know dr- you know just pulling up your full limit of walleye and taking them home and, and just going about your, your day. I yeah. do. I do. I am disappointed that I've never had a fish fry when I've been up there uh, in Canada with you, Reagan, because it's always, <laughs> uh, we're always outside of the, I always come in the fall. So you guys used to do like a weekly fish fry at the lodge, right? right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, fresh, fresh caught walleye and even fresh caught pike. I love, love fresh caught pike, man. I would, Oh, I would, I could, like I could go for some of that right now. Like, yeah, like, like Northern Pike. I, I'm not sure if it's different from down there, but Northern Pike tastes incredible up here. Um, it's funny because, like, I think a lot of the American guys don't know that Northern Pike's a really good fish if you fillet it the right way, right? Right. I think they're catching um, on in recent years. Yeah, catching on down here. And if you if you know how to clean the thing, like, it's really good. And you can't tell. I swear to God, you cannot tell the difference between a walleye and a pike if you if you clean the pike the right way. You can't tell the difference. No. And, you, and the good thing about a pike is you get a lot of meat off a pike. Like, remember those pike we caught, guys, last time you were up? We caught a couple nice pike. Did yeah, mid-30s there. I'm not sure. Did we keep those or, or did we throw No, them we didn't. We, we talked back. about it. We talked yeah. about it, but then we tossed them back. Those were, like, those would have, like, those are, you know, a couple 20, I don't know, 25 to 27-inch pike that were perfect eating size that, we, you know, we should have kept them and had a fish fry. I don't know why we didn't do it. Maybe next time. Eh, yeah. I think we, I think we went to the Levine Tavern that night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. that was a little bit easier. Yeah. <laughs> my my goal is to see live music at the Levine Tavern one of these days. Hey, it's gonna happen post COVID. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So hopefully, you know, hopefully this year, this year the whole, you know, we're gonna have uh, at least at least Nick's coming again. Donnie's coming and Tom has his passport. So we might have a, we might have quite a crew coming up this September. I'm coming. I'm pumped. I'm just sitting here. I'm very quiet in this uh, episode. I'm just 
I'm just uh, picturing myself there, and I'm listening to everything Reagan has to say and getting excited. So you have – you've fished with Jim Sarek a couple of times, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think there's – there have been two prior Muskie Hunter episodes that you've done or prior one, and then this, this one you filmed is the second. Yeah, so we've done two in total, uh, two, two Muskie Hunter episodes, yeah. And so you, you filmed one this, uh, this October, he came up, right? That's correct. Yeah. That's a tough time of year to fish Lake Nipissing. I'm telling you. It's, I, yeah. I mean, we, we, you and I talked about that yeah. in September. You even said like, that's a, you know, that's an odd time to, to come up to Lake Nipissing. How, how was that? Well, so like, I'm not sure how it is with you guys, but like in Canada, like we're up, I don't have my, my, uh, I'm talking metric here. So I don't have my conversion thing. Well, when the no, actually, sorry. This is this is uh, this is um, uh, imperial. So when the water is between, um, I want to say like fifty-eight and like you know fifty-two, or I would even say like sixty and like fifty-two or fifty-four in that kind of zone. There, it's really tough fishing. Like, is it the same for you guys? Kind of. That initial cool down makes it tough. Like turnover, like we call it yeah. turnover. Here, yeah. right? like turnover. See, we don't have we don't have a ton of lakes that that are deep enough to have a true true turnover. Uh, but Lake that's why I was I I don't know if I've ever asked you this, but Lake Nipissing is a shallow lake overall. the The lake the average depth of Lake Nipissing is only like fourteen feet, right? Yeah, fourteen feet. Yeah. So, but is it, it is a mesotrophic lake? So it's not like you know, it's not eutrophic or oligotrophic. It's mesotrophic. So um it does have a turnover um it does turn over i have measured it um but um yeah for whatever reason when the when you know the water is between like 60 and you know let's say 54 or 52 the fishing gets really really tough and that's usually around um you know the first week of october and i i know this like i mean i've been on the water for like you know eight years and we always always struggle at that time of year so anyway the whole back to the jim Sarek thing so, so Jim calls me up and he's like, okay, well, you know, we want to do the show Reagan come up or whatever. And, you know, he said, what do you think about this, you know, this weekend and, you know, first weekend in October, first week of October, second week of October, something like that. And I said, Jim, like, you know what, like I would prefer to push it off if we could, just because, um, you know, it can be a tough time of year. And uh, he said, ah, don't worry. Well, like, and he has done well, like he's done well there to Jim's credit. He's done well during that time. He's done well. And uh, I never have. And- and, Jim's, uh, Jim has a lot of experience on Lake Nipissing, well, doesn't he's, he? He's fished Nipissing as much as I have. Like, like he's been like him, him and Mike Lazarus and um, Tom Sullivan, a bunch of guys, they cut their teeth on Nipissing. Like back before they were even known, like as musky fishermen, they were, they would do a father son trip up there, all of them and fish Nipissing. So they, they know Nipissing very, very well. So I kind of looked at this opportunity, you know, this last episode that we did, it's like, okay, well, I know some, a lot of shit. Jim knows a lot of shit. So we're going to put it all together. And, you know, I mean, I think even if I struggle this time of year combined with what Jim knows, we're going to do pretty well. So anyway, we did the episode and, uh, you know, the water temperature actually increased, which was terrible. So it actually dropped down to like 57. Then it went back up to like 62 or something. So it actually went down and then actually went up just before Jim came. We had this like warm front. So worst possible conditions ever. Um, so we, anyway, we hammered away. Um, we fished a bunch of stuff that I knew, but just stuff that, stuff that Jim knew, we ended up hooking into five fish enough to shoot a show, but I think we lost like four of them. 
you know, and just weird, just weird. Like when you're trolling, for example, you don't lose a lot of fish, but we, we, we hooked these fish trolling and we lost them. We're like, what the hell? Like, how do, how, like, like, how are we losing these fish trolling? Cause you know, you don't lose a lot of fish trolling, you know? Well, is it, is it, it was, it wasn't the, the perch bait with the, uh, with the, the treble hook missing one of the trebles, right? <laughs> no, <laughs> I know I'm guilty. I'm, I've been guilty of that. You're like, you know, what it's like guys, hey, you kind of, you're in a rush. You cut up a hook. You're like, get it back in the water now. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, hook's missing. Who the hell cares? I remember That's saying, exactly don't we want to replace that? Man. Yeah. Don't we, don't we want to replace that hook? <laughs> and he's like, nope, put it back out there. That's <laughs> with the hot, hot bait. I know. Hey, yeah, I, I, I get sometimes as a guide, I get a little bit rammy on the water. I'm just like, get it out there right now. Like, I don't care. It doesn't matter. It's one, <laughs> it's one hook. It's not going to make it put it out. Yeah, I ran a bait this spring troll and I brought it back in and it still had the plastic hook blockers on it because it was brand new. I never took <laughs> I them off. It. I was just pumped to get it out there. That's hilarious. <laughs> See, that's I'll why we you- lose fish. That's exactly why we lose so many fish. Well, hey, I'll, I'll tell you a true story. So I had some guys out bass fishing the one time. And, uh, you know, West Bay, a nipsing there, it's pretty good bass fishing. So anyway, the one guy had, like, I, I gave me um, a lipless crankbait, right? So he's casting this thing. And he keeps missing fish after fish. And uh, I think he missed, like, six fish. And uh, I was getting pissed off. He was getting pissed off. So after he lost the six fish, uh, he throws his rod down. He sits down. Like, he's done fishing. And then I looked at his like lipless crankbait. It had all the plastic covers on the hooks. <laughs> I just, like, yeah. You know? Guilty of that. Guilty. Classic. Classic. <laughs> yeah, we've all done it. I've done it for embarrassingly long. Like I'm talking like <laughs> an hour and a half. Like hour. Like then I'm like, oh shit, wait a minute. Well, Tom, you use those little black that those little black window spline. That- yeah, I mean, if back, you're not yeah. really paying attention, man, you, you'll never see in, those man. things. Mm-hmm. That's a good little hack, though. I don't know what you guys use, but that window spline from the hardware store, just remember to take it off. I use that window spline now, and that's because uh, you showed me that. So I learned well, something. Just remember your lures once. fish way better if you take the spline off before you put them in the water. Yeah, <laughs> also when you sharpen hooks, too. That, too. You know? That helps always helpful got to sharpen hooks so reagan one of the things that tom and i had talked about talking about i know it's coming yeah you know it's coming tom is a an absolute diehard joe buker fan well i mean don't 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 interrupt not everything (laughs) so but no he's he catches a shit ton of muskies on top raiders and And I've, I was kind of like, a, I first liked the, the Larry Dahlberg, the Whopper Plopper, and then you, you learn more. And then I got into the Lake X and, you know, Tom I, had kind of convinced me, you want to give, give the top Raider a shot. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait a second, Reagan always threw a top Raider. And, and this I've been past hearing year, about this magic top Raider that you have. This past year, when Nick and I were fishing with you, on multiple occasions, I remember looking over and thinking, like, what is that thing that Reagan is throwing that sounds like that? You're the top raider you throw, what it's that the same loon, I think it's a loon pattern. Like, what what is it about that? Did you modify that tail in any way to or is it just just one that works? You yeah, must so, be pressing for a secret right here. Okay, so I'll tell you the truth. So anyway, so 
the first time uh, myself and Danny had had Jim Sarek uh, at our place, um, we were like two little kids when he left and we said, oh, can we please have a lure off your boat, Jim? Who's going to be a lure off your boat? You know, just thinking that Jim has all, these, all this free shit to give away. So he's like, all right, you can pick one lure, kids. Pick one lure. So I, 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 I took that top raider and I swear to God, there's something about it. Like, like there's, there's something about that top raider that it's, it's secretly modified <laughs> for Jim. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but I've caught more fish on that top raider. Like I bet, I don't know how many muskies we've caught on that thing. Like maybe, I don't know, maybe 30 something muskies off that top raider. It's not like I throw it all the time, but it's just something about it. It just has, you're right Owen. It has a certain like frequency to it that you can hear. It's noticeable. Yeah. And, and it's definitely a different, one. different sound than the, I have one just like yeah. that. They were asking me about bending the tail. I'm like, I've heard that you never want to bend the tail on those. I know there's some differences between like the pre like mass manufacturing days and the new ones. But well, I think it's, it's just, it, I think you see that with trolling baits too. Yeah, you yeah. find that with, find with the trolling baits and, and even bucktails. You know, there are certain bucktails that you, you just like the way they run. And, and you know, I, I don't know. I, I think I think there is such a thing as a kind of a lucky bait, so to speak. One that just works, oh, yeah. something about it just works a little bit differently than the other baits that you've got. Yeah. 100%. And it could be a confidence thing. It could be a self-fulfilling prophecy, maybe, where you're just fishing it the best because you're most confident in it. But like I'm you a- said, I agree a thousand percent. I mean, you saw my top raider box. I have like 20 top raiders and I have like one favorite one and because it just sounds different. I don't know why. I don't know if I smash it off a rock and just like the right way. I have no idea. I was like, curious if you had a little hack there, if there was like a certain oh, tail bend you did or. I don't know shit. I just, it just that one. <laughs> if I ever lose that top raider, I'm fucked. Steal it from, <laughs> steal it from Jim Sarek. Next time, next time Jim Sarek's hey, around. Jim. I'm going to look for the top raiders. But you guys, you guys know how it is. Like, like I figure like, like how many baits have you guys bought that just, they, 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 they don't even work when you like get them like like especially like you know jerk baits or like live baits like phantoms and shit like that like when you buy them yeah. or like suix and like they don't even not only do they not run properly but they don't even work it's like what the hell you know and uh yeah. it's, it's so i i bet you for every bait that i buy i would say like 25 percent of them i don't even like use at all like they don't even mm-hmm. work they just they hang up in my shop i won't even see my shop where all my baits hang right you know it's like well i, I you know, Nick and I talked about this on one of our very first podcasts, actually, was, you know, how crazy it was that we spent a week up there in Canada with you. And a lot of the baits that you were throwing are from our area. Yeah. You know, from from, you know, the perch baits, the Leo lures, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you don't you don't really fish Wiley's in particular. But what else was it? um, Grandma's. Yeah. Where's yeah. the, where are the grandmas from? Lionsville. Right no on Pine with Tooming. Yeah. No shit. I did yeah. not know that. I, I was that I was at their garage uh, maybe a year and, year and a half, two years ago. Yeah, Kenny Satonica, I think. Satonica? Was, yeah. yeah. I don't know if it was Kenny that was there, but I, when I walked into the shop, somebody was sleeping on the couch, and the, the girls were <laughs> pretty much running the, the shop at that point. It was kind of cool though, because they had like a bunch of like Walmart racks set up. Like you could walk down an aisle and just pick up like random grandma baits that were supposed to like go to shows or whatever. And they just didn't, didn't get them out. So it was kind of cool. So so Ryan, there's this bait maker up in, up, up by Lake Nipissing. 
who like you go into the Esso gas station and it's got his baits hanging in there and they are legit like good good musky baits right and it's kind of like who the hell makes these musky baits and, and, and sells them at the gas station at like the local Esso gas station but so what's it? it's Marlin right Marlin, Marlin Vizina yeah Marlin Vizina yeah have you ever heard of that Ryan uh I just assumed that all gas stations in Canada had musky lures. No, it's called v- <laughs> VM Bates, right? Yeah, Bates, no, yeah. no yeah. I, I have not. I have not. It's it's a it's it's, it's they interesting. Are cool Nick, Nick, Nick and I, yeah, Nick and I actually drove out of our way to to go visit the the VM Bates Esso <laughs> in in Noelville. No, I uh, I uh, I put uh, as Donnie told me once. I put uh, Shayla Leah party through college over the last couple of years buying so many leos oh, yeah. but uh, now, reagan, reagan you fish the leo uh love the leo them. jerk baits yeah i love them yeah yeah have you yeah, ever tra- have you ever uh run any of the trolling baits because they, they kill i mean guys around here on the on the reservoirs around here just absolutely kill them on the yeah. on the leo yeah. trolling baits really. Yeah, I, I haven't done the oh, trolling yeah. baits as much. I mean, I love I love the Leo jerk baits, like with the you know the the squirrely tail Leos. Yeah, absolutely love those jerk baits. We catch so many fish on them. It's so funny because you know when you're on the water for like eighty you know days a year or hundred days a year or whatever, um, you get to see. It's interesting because a lot of times I'll have three or four guys casting in the boat, and you see what fish respond to different times. And you know, a lot of times I'll throw a Leo off the back of the boat. Usually that's like my last bait that I throw is like a jerk bait, right? Like a Leo. And a lot of times, you know, that fish, I'm sure he's seen those first three baits. And then, you know, the fourth guy's casting off the bat back and gets it off a Leo. It's incredible. Like they just, there's just something about it when the fish are turned off or whatever, that Leo just gets them to go, you know? Yeah. What's your preferred method of fishing on Lake Nipissing? Uh, you know, bucktails, casting, jerk baits, you know, what, or trolling? Yeah. So, so like Nipissing, like usually depending on the, t- on the time of year, um, uh, summertime, I would say we cast more. Okay. So like probably like, you know, middle of July to like the end of August, even like the middle of September, we're doing probably a little bit more for a little bit more casting then. So we'll cast probably, you know, 60, 70% of the time. And then, you know, early in the season and later in the season, we switch more to trolling it just seems to be more productive. Um, but you know, usually like for a typical casting, um, a, a casting, uh, lineup, you know, what we'll do is usually the first guy that throws like a big O right. Or like a bucktail. Oh, and I use your bucktails. So first guy is usually throwing a big O. Um, second guy is usually throwing Shadzilla. Cause I don't know what you guys, but I mean, we just kill it with Shadzillas. Oh yeah. See just, the, because I, loves them. Yeah, like, I love them. I love them. Trying to pawn them off on all of us down here. I see well, them you can't there. get them down here. You, yeah. you can't get them down here. I mean, you can, you have to order them. I have an order in right now, but I placed the order four months ago and yeah, it's right? not, it's not going to arrive until maybe July. So Incredible. it's not, that's not a bait that you can just like pick up. We can't go to Muskie Max and pick up Chad Zillis, no. you know? Yeah. And, so, and why, 
I don't know. I follow I follow the guy on Instagram and his pr- the process of him making the, these baits is really, really cool. And I've listened to his podcast. I think he was on the Ugly Pike podcast. Yeah, I listened to that, and, yeah. and it is it's a really fascinating process on how he makes these lures. And I, I really want to support him. Like I, I like the way this guy makes his stuff. And it's just damn hard to get a hold of those fucking baits. It's really frustrating. So what I, so what I, I actually have I probably have like 10 or 15 left. I, I, I keep all in Reagan. You should hold on to all those weighted. Yeah. The internal harnesses, yeah. because I just reorder. I just reorder the, the $15 Shadzilla, the unrigged Shadzilla. Yeah. And if you have those, you just re-rig them yourself, put your own trebles on there. And you, you know, for 15 bucks, you have a new Shadzilla as opposed to paying 30 bucks and having them shipped to PA. You know, yeah. I, I mean, it's, so it's definitely something to think about. And, and you know, there's there's such a strange bait, guys. You know, it's so funny. Like, how many times have you been throwing a Shadzilla then like a 22-inch pike ruins it? You know? Yep. Brand new Shadzilla <laughs> and a pike just destroys it. And it, like, cracks, around it, it cracks me up. Look at it. <laughs> it's like, you're like, no, my Shadzilla's gone. Your tackle box has like five Shadzillas that have zip ties keeping them together. Yeah, that's what I do. I, I, I'm not sure. We, I've heard all kinds of different ways, like, but where it breaks usually, and you guys know this, is like in the belly, like that little part pulls through the belly. And so what yeah. I do is I take those black zip ties and I just zip tie it through. And it seems to work pretty well. I mean, yeah. you know, it gets a few more uh, fish out of it anyway. So, <laughs> I mean, down here, you don't see a ton of guys fishing swim baits like that not just the shadzillas you don't you don't hear a lot of poseidon fish around here you don't hear a ton of uh you know shallow swimming dog fish around here maybe i'm not paying attention to, to the well, things that everyone dog. else is the river fish like those paddle tails though and i'll tell you that do they oh yeah but yeah that's weird I, you don't I, see I the catch poseidon. a lot of fish in the river on shadzillas i love throw that's that's where i've had the most success with them here honestly now where do you where do you buy them do you order them directly from Waterwolf? honestly i the i only the first few that i ever got i bought on the flea market <laughs> a musky flea market i bought like three or four of them in a lot probably i don't know five or six years ago and then when i went to lake of the woods uh we were at a, a sports shop there. I think it was called Lake of the Woods Sports Warehouse or whatever, but he had a whole display of them. And I bought like 15 of them when I was there and I've still been working through those. That'll yeah. do it. I mean, those, you know, you buy 50, you buy 15 yeah. of those, you know, that'll, <laughs> that'll last you a little while. Yeah. No, they're, they're just, yeah, there's not, it's hard to get them any other way. I, I always keep an eye. Sometimes you see them pop up on the flea market, but other than that, I've never been able to just like buy any new. Reagan, does he con- like, do you know the guy up there? I mean, he's, he's in Canada. Yeah, not I, like Canada I, I, isn't a big fucking place. Yeah. I don't know him personally, but I know guys <laughs> that do know him like through the musky, you know, musky guys in Canada or whatever, but, uh, but you're right. I mean, there, but there's something about those baits. Like a Poseidon is not the same thing. Like it's just no, not. I don't it's know. It's not. It's They're such softer it's rubber. So superior. Like it's just so lifelike the way it swims. The thing I like about it too is like when I have people on the boat that aren't necessarily like experienced musky anglers, they can they can reel that thing in all day. Like you can't right. if you haven't musky fished a lot, you can't reel in double tens all day. You just can't do it. You know, it's just it's just it's too much. But the the Shadzilla is just you know you just you just reel it in. And I just can't believe how many fish like like out of all of our casting fish i bet you we 
catch, like when, when I'm doing charters or guides, probably 50% of our fish we catch on the Shadzillas. They are so good. I'll even throw two sometimes. So back to what we were saying about the whole, you know, the lineup, the casting lineup, usually like a bucktail. A lot of times a bucktail will get it, but not always. And then a Shadzilla. And then maybe we'll throw like a, um, usually like a Leo off the back. And then, um, you know, in the middle, we'll throw like a, like a shallow invader or something like that. But they, but then sometimes we'll throw like two Shadzillas because they work so well, you know, it's just. What, uh, what other type of jerk baits work? Do you guys throw up there like Suix or yeah, anything Suix. else that works? Uh, you know, like Leo's, like I'm really, I, you know, I don't, I, I need to go more outside the box than what I do already, but we throw a lot of Leo's, a lot of Suix. Um, actually, Nick, those ones that you gave me, yeah. I've been throwing a lot and I've had some yeah. success on those. What are those called? The uh, Fatty Z Raptors. Yeah, I love those things. Like those, those, those things suspend perfectly, you know? Really yeah. like Especially for those deep weed, you know, we don't yeah. have a ton of deep weed, weed edges here in PA. Yeah. In the similar to the ones, you know, but those raptors, they they they'll just sit at mm-hmm. you know seven feet down. It's incredible. At, it's unbelievable. Oh, Let me know if you need more brought up. That was one yeah. thing that was always wild to me. Like yeah. I think I think <laughs> next to Ryan Reedham, one of the newer guys here, like getting into the musky thing. And the reason I delayed so long, I was like, Oh, we live in like PA, like we don't live in a musky state, you know. Like I was like, oh, we're, we're like, a, I was like carp fishing and catfish. And I'm like, we don't live in like a musky state. This is stupid. Now, like now that I'm into musky, I find out that people in Canada are like fans of baits made in PA. It's have people like Brian Boyer developing ledge. Like it, it blows, it blew my mind. Like when I learned that at first, I didn't even know it was right under my nose. Like I had no idea these people two hours away from me are making baits that people are using 10 hours away. Like, well, it's so funny. Like we, you know, myself and Owen and Nick were joking about how all the baits come from Ohio, you know, yeah. and uh, like, I, I, like I wasn't even aware of how many baits came from Ohio until I think we were, we were fishing them one day and I was pointing out the baits in my box and they're like, yeah, Ohio, 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 <laughs> like, you know, like take like legend perch baits, for example, like those are my favorite trolling baits. Perch baits are just an incredible bait to me. I don't know. They just, cause they run perfectly and you know exactly where they're going to be. You know, like every legend perch bait that you order runs at the same depth. It's and it runs perfectly, and you know exactly what the what the depth is. And, well, that's uh, where Mike Mike Lazarus said that in one of his, I think he was on the Ugly Pike podcast, where he basically said he doesn't run anything that's wood anymore because the, you just yeah. ha, don't have the consistency isn't there. He said there's so much consistency with those other baits, and he, I don't think he named the actual baits, but I kind of assumed he was probably talking about perch baits and plows. Guaranteed. Yeah. They, they just run so well and you know exactly where they are. And, um, you know, it's the old thing of like how many different baits you have to have to get the job done. And for me, I've actually, over the years, I've actually decreased my number of baits instead of increasing them. So when I first started musky fishing and a lot of baits, now I probably have like a quarter of the baits I used to have. And I just rely on the same things all the time. Cause you know, if the fish are going, they're going to, they're like, I still experiment with new baits, but if you, if you stick with reliable baits that have worked again and again and again and again, you know they're going to work. I mean, what are the baits that at Muskie Odyssey people are like lining up for? Oh, what are the ones? Hose baits? Is it hose baits? Yeah. Right. Blue waters and hose baits. Yeah, blue waters and hose baits are the big one. Where you know, I think the guy at Muskie Odyssey, uh, you know, he um, he showed up. I think he sold forty thousand dollars worth of baits by ten a.m. 
And then he, and he had this little tiny stand with like, you know, pegboard stand that looked like crap. And he sold all the baits by 10 a.m. And then he, then he put us just, and then he put a sign up just to be, um, just to be, you know, uh, a dick, a dick that said, (laughs) it said exactly a dick. I said, sold out by 10 a.m. See you next year. But he says sold out by 10 10 a.m. See you next year. And like, I mean, whatever. I mean, are they good baits? I'm sure they're good baits, but you know, it's like anything, um, uh, it's, um, there's this price elasticity of demand thing that happens with baits where, where people get, uh, uh, they get captivated by these baits, you know, whether or not they work, I don't know, but they're spending like $250 a bait. Right. Oh man, dude, these Facebook, there are these Facebook groups that, you know, people are are doing these raffles where they're buying $250 worth of raffle spots just to hopefully win a bait. I mean, this trophic five shit. I, I joined the Trophic Five, um, and, and if Trophic Five is if he ever listens to this podcast, God bless him. Come on, come on here. Let's talk about it. But holy shit, man! Jesus fucking Christ! The 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 amount of money that he is getting out of these raffles is bonkers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wanted to say he was he was charging. For fifty dollars, you got go like as high as like eight hundred dollars. Yeah, like for in these raffles, I think you had to pay fifty bucks for like two spots. How? I mean, that's insane. Did you guys see the one the other day? It was a Perry. I think it was a Periwinkle. No, this was like it maybe a couple weeks ago. Was and it a Trophic some... Five? No, no, this is this is a, a kind of older bait maker. I think they're also Canadian. But they're like a big uh, deep diver. So Perry, is it called a periwinkle? Yeah. Yep. So uh, this this individual puts up the periwinkle and says, you know, ten spots at sixty dollars a spot. And not even a minute after it was listed, somebody replied back and said, "All spots." I was <laughs> like, dude, you just dropped six hundred dollars on a bait. I like, I, I I lost my mind for a few minutes. I was like, I this is insane to me. I mean, I get, I totally understand the collector's aspect of pretty much every hobby. Okay. You have it in everything. When I was, when I was into golf, I mean, people would pay $2,000 for a Scotty Cameron putter. People would pay $500 for a special edition Scotty Cameron putter cover, you know, like this goofy, just absolutely insane shit. So, I mean, I understand that, but at some point you got to wonder like these guys buying these golf clubs they're also members at these country clubs and they're you know i could see maybe where they're getting money like i i don't know i mean it's like if i'm spending you spend this money on these baits like man you better have it you know what i mean like you better actually have that money you know it's like i think in every single market that you could possibly think of yeah there's individuals that will perceive dollar value as as actual value you know what i mean you have those people, right? That they think, oh, something's expensive, so it has to be worth the money. So it's, it's like, you know, Gucci, it's like Gucci handbags, you know, women with Gucci handbags. Right. Like they're going to spend the money because the perceived value is like in your hand right there. And that's like a status symbol, right? Mm-hmm. So people buy, you know, and I often think of too, like, um, you know, you like the fishing rod industry and um, nothing against like St. Croix rods, but I mean, you know, they brought out like the Musky Mojo and the Legend Tournament Pro and then the Super Legend Tournament Pro or whatever it was. And like, yeah. man, like you can spend like, $750 on a musky rod now. And like, where's like the sky's the limit. Like, 
you know, you look at the right. amount of money you can spend on gear. It's like, holy Christ, like it's, it's, it's getting up there. And not oh, yeah. to, not to stroke, you know, Boyer too much, but you know, the fact that he has never gone to that level and, and started producing these baits and he's charging $250 a bait. I mean, he's still charging what, 60, 65 bucks for a perch bait. That's, I mean, what I mean. that's still a lot. 50, that's a lot. That's still a lot. That's Oh, really? Yeah, 55, 55, I think is what, but yeah. I just ordered two today. They're 55. 55. So, I mean, that's, I mean, that is, that is incredibly reasonable in my opinion. All day. All day. That's a good deal for, yeah. for a bait that, for a bait that is proven is going to catch fish. That's a, yeah, they're great baits. Yeah. No question. He developed those baits on a lake that I, sp- I kind of wasted my whole summer fishing, actually. A little fun fact. <laughs> that's because you don't have enough perch baits. That's yeah, true. That's it. You're doing it wrong. That must be it. What lake is that, Tom? Am I allowed to say? Are we going to bleep this out? It's your lake. If you want yeah, to burn it's your it. lake. Keystone, if you, if you burn your own stuff. Yeah, see, I burn it. <laughs> Keystone Power, damn it. They used to stalk it back with purebred muskie back in the day, and then they said stopped and have been loading tigers in, and I was convinced this year I could get, like, my 50-inch tiger out of this lake, and I blew, like, my whole summer on this lake. And I did catch one with Donnie, which was what, Donnie? Maybe 24 inches long, if if that. That's solid, maybe. If we were standing on it. Yeah, 26 <laughs> if you're really straight. Yeah, but it, that's that's the lake, actually, that I heard that Ryan. I mean, sounds Ryan, generous to me. Yeah. 26, I don't know. But, I mean, I don't know if that's a rumor. Uh, Ryan would know better than I do. That's the lake that he spent, like, developing those, right? Well, I'm, I'm not going to yeah, I'm gonna say one of, but I mean Brian Brian Boyer's caught fish in every body of water yeah. in the state. Oh, yeah. I'm sure giant every, fish in every body of water. Yeah, so I don't I don't yeah, I'm sure it's one of those for sure. But how did Boyer get his baits into the hands of so many can you know Canadian guys that are catching big fish? I guess that's my because there's I, no like there's no real market for for musky baits, and even with the internet today. You know, it's still hard to get your baits in the hands of people that are across the border. I think it's a lot harder now because there's just so many different options. I think back then, you know, when Brian was developing these stuff and building baits, I mean, there was probably a lot less options, particularly here. You know, I think now it's like insane, like even five, six years ago when I first started, you know, there were options, but there weren't you know, there's not a, like today, there's way more options than we had even five years ago. Reagan, I mean, um, uh, I think it was last year, Ryan had Brian Boyer on his YouTube channel uh, and, and, you know, did a, an hour plus long discussion with him about, you know, perch baits and whatnot. So Ryan's actually had an opportunity to, to talk to the myth, the myth, the man, the legend himself. And uh, that was pretty cool. It's- That's what I was going to say from when we did that, Brian talked about, uh, it was, I think he said like late eighties, early nineties, they would, they would take like a, you know, on the shoulder camcorder out with them fishing and had this, a TV set up and played the tape at the musky shows. And he said it was like, it caused like gridlock through the show. There's just as many people packed around watching it, catching muskies on his baits. And that kind of, kind of started the, the craze back then. So yeah, that's what's wild about our area. And I think sometimes it's easy to take it for granted, but like we can go to a musky zinc meeting here and you got guys like 
you know, Brian Boyer there, like Todd Lee, a party every once in a while, or you can go to a show here and see like a Dale Wiley and just all of these guys that put on all these products. Like, it's just really crazy. Mm-hmm. You just like walk up to Brian Boyer and have a discussion at like a, a random meeting, you know, it's, it, I mean, these are all just musky fishermen. Like, you know, it's not like, it's really that big of a deal, but when you first get into the sport and you read all these articles and you, you know, that's why Reagan, I asked about the Danny Columbia thing. Cause like, you know, for us, it's it, like I said, it's a big deal to me to be able to fish with somebody like a Todd Young, you know, in our area who has been doing it for so long and has just caught so many and put so many people on fish. Like, I don't know, it's just a cool thing for me. And I wasn't sure like how the vibe was, you know, with that, because it's just, you know, it's even with like Jim Sarek, like Jim is, you know, somebody that, you know, some of us look up to, we watch all the musky hunters, you know, we, even, even though he's not necessarily associated with the magazine as much anymore, like we still, you know, that's, those are the things I read trying to get into the sport, you know, it was like, just, I don't know, just kind of an interesting dynamic. Yeah. I mean, you know, from my experience, like, um, you know, when I first got into the whole lodge business and guiding business, having met these guys, you know, you're starstruck at first. Like I was starstruck Mm -hmm. the first time I, you know, met, uh, you know, Bob Azumi and, you know, Italo and Jim Sarek and then even Danny and these guys, you know, you're starstruck, but then, you know, you realize that they're just regular guys like us. Like they're just regular guys like you and I out there hammering away and they have bad days too. They have shitty days in the water and they're not superhuman. And um, you know, it's just the, the fine details that sort of separate us. But the one thing I'll say about all those guys that I fish with is um, they are relentlessly hardworking individuals that strive for the best. They're not lazy. They're not the type of guys like not to sharpen a hook or not to spend those extra few hours in the water. Like all those guys are, are extremely hardworking, dedicated individuals. And that's what makes the difference. Like when you're on the water, like, you know, that extra mile, if you're dedicated, will make you more successful. That's, that's pretty awesome. I I do have a question though. Uh, Let's say like, I know Owen's fished with you. Nick's fished with you. Like for guys, like somebody like me, I don't, I don't get to come up very often. You know, when I do, I'm not necessarily musky fishing, but like, can you give me like just kind of the rundown of, you know, the lodge, like what is all included when you come up and you stay at your lodge, you know, you book you for a couple of days to get out on the lake. Like what, what is that experience like? If that's a fair question. Yeah. So, so basically the place we have now is called Paradise Cove Resort. So that's uh, paradisecovenipissing.com. It's the website. So you can look it up. Um, so the resort we have now is three cottages. Um, they're all, you know, very, very nice cottages, uh, very private. Um, they each sleep six, six people. So six guys per cottage. So basically, um, for around $2,500 Canadian per week, that's peak season. You're getting your cottage for, for non-peak. I think it's like 2000 Canadian, um, for the two cottages. And I think the bigger one's a little bit more expensive, but that's kind of, you're getting your cottage with your, you know, obviously a really nice kitchen dock. Uh, you'll have to look it up. Maybe you can show some screenshots on your podcast. Very, very nice. And then, um, you know, if you wanted to do some guiding, you would just let me know what days you want to go. And um, I sort of, you know, come and pick you guys up at uh, nine o'clock in the morning type of thing. We fish nine to five and uh, that's sort of the deal. Okay. Hot tub after. Hot tub after. Hot tub after. Hashtag time to tub. (laughs) (laughs) Like um, nipping specials in the hot tub. I, I better get an eight-man hot tub for when you guys come up. 
Uh, <laughs> I'm not getting in the hot tub with Ryan Reed. I promise Nick, that. Nick's, Nick's going to be in there before the boat's even on the dock. We're like, how, how did you get in there so fast? Yeah, that's the only reason why I'm coming up. I'm just I feel like I feel like time. if I were if I were hiring a guide for like one day, you know, I might think, OK, maybe I'd want to be up at like 6 a.m. And, you know, I'd want to fish until, you know, like to absolutely try to maximize that. But yeah. I know my experience being up there, you know, because I'm you know, when I come up there, I plan on fishing for a week and you kind of got to pace yourself if you're going to fish for muskies for a week. So we don't like necessarily get up and, and do the 6 a.m. fishing. It's pretty much a nine until, you know, there are evenings when we're kind of feeling it when you you'll stay out a little bit later. But, you know, do you do you do you do like midsummer? Will you do like a, a, a half day guiding and then like an evening guiding something like that? Yeah, sometimes if, if, if it gets really hot, we'll do that. So if it gets really hot, we'll uh, we'll start early, like, you know, um, you know, let's say 7 a.m. We take off and then come back for a bit of a break, then head back out for, you know, for the night bite when it's not so so warm. But yeah, when it gets like really, really hot, sometimes the fishing can kind of turn off. Right. So that's what we try to do to, to mitigate that. Um, what do the water temps get to when it gets like, does it ever get to 80 up there? Oh, yeah. Like we've had 82, 83. Oh, here. wow. Yeah, we've had some, some, it doesn't happen often. Like it's pretty rare that we get above 80. It doesn't happen too often, but um, you know, it's funny, like um, as long as it's not too warm though, like if, if we're, if we're still talking like earlier, later in the season, like, you know, last week of August on like September type of thing, um, the bite is normally like in the middle of the day, you know, the major or minor in the middle of the day. I don't find that there's a really big correlation with like, you know, early, in the day bite versus late day i you know usually middle of the day is is when the bite actually is especially in the fall but yeah when it does get really warm we will try to go out earlier than later just to kind of get away from the heat because not only for the the fishing can be better when it's when it's not like in the in the dead heat of the summer but also for the benefit of the fish right because obviously you know you don't want to pull a fish out of the water when it's 82 degrees right right now, what about the bugs situation? I mean, like I, when I come up in September, bugs are not an issue. There's no like mosquitoes. But I know early on in in spring in Canada, things can get pretty nasty with the uh, with the black fly bite. Yeah, we don't get black flies in our area that much. Uh, really? Like I'm not sure why, but you know some areas do. So, like for example, just south of us on Georgian Bay in Muskoka, um, you know you can get black flies. We don't seem to get very many. Um, I would say what, what's worse is the, is the deer flies. Deer flies can get bad, like right in the middle of summer, like July and August, but they're not even really that bad. And like when you're out in the water, you don't really notice them. Um, mosquitoes can get bad um, after like uh, sunset. So, you know, I remember one time, you know, funny story. I'm sure you guys have mosquitoes down there, right? Like, it's, oh, yeah. so I remember oh, yeah. one time, I'm sure, I'm sure we've all been here, but one time I was, I was, um, out, do you remember Steen, Owen? Remember Steen? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this, this, there's this old musky guy named Steen that, you know, uh, went up to my lodge for like 20 years and, and um, we, I take, well, is he the one, is he the one he would, he would just be there for a month, right? Yeah. Yeah. Steen, yeah. Steen, Steen would like book for a month, you know, and I remember the one time I was out fishing with Steen and um, it was like one of those kind of warm summer nights where the sun was just setting and the mosquitoes were just starting to come out. We were casting, remember this, I'll even mention this spot. I don't care. It's called Max Milk. This one's Oh spot. Yeah. It's like, I remember classic, it's like a classic spot. Just, just, it's like classic. this sort of right by Mask and Angela. We, the reason we call it Max Milk, like I'm sure like 
You guys don't have Max Milk in the states, right? You have Seven Eleven. Yeah, it's yeah. been yeah, it's been referred to as Seven Eleven. Yeah. yeah, so I call it so basically we call it Seven Eleven because if we had a shitty day of guiding, we could stop at Seven Eleven and pick up a bag of milk, which was the musky, right? <laughs> so we'd stop on the way home to get the musky, right? That's how good the spot was. And we didn't catch a lot of huge fish off the spot, but we caught a number of, of big fish, and uh, it was a good spot. Anyway, so we're casting uh, we're casting Max Milk, and the bugs were just starting to come out, and I remember thinking to myself. I really hope we don't hook one right now because I don't want to have to work on this thing because the bugs are so bad. Sure enough, we, we hook a new fish and it's a bad hook job, right? The fish is hooked badly. And I remember like, you know, Steen was trying to hold this net and I'm over trying to work on this thing. And you guys know what it's like when you're just getting, it's like, you know, it's like you're swarmed. just swarmed, right? Just swarmed by mosquitoes. And uh, I remember Steen and I got, and I think it took me like 10 or 15 minutes to get this fish like, unhooked and, and revived and gone it, it, luckily it survived but I, I remember you know that night i was i was itching in my bed pretty badly it was uh, it was awful i feel like we don't see it that bad down here like we get scared no we don't we don't get nothing like up here, man. Yeah. when my dad and i would go on our canoe trips i remember because we would have to portage um from lake to lake so there would be times when like if the portage the, you know the the area where we took the canoe out it would be just swampy because it was wet. I mean, you'd be carrying the canoe in the entire thing, the the entire underside, and your face is just completely covered with mosquitoes. Whoa, whoa, and you're doing a really good job of talking me into going to Canada. So good job. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that bad. <laughs> oh gosh, well, Tom's Tom, Tom's gonna enjoy. Once Tom gets a taste of Lake Nipissing, oh, I can't I promise wait. you. I promise you, there's not going to be any keeping. There's not going to be stopping Tom from going back up there, you know. Oh, but we're not going to get onto the subject of Canadian bacon. You're getting up at 9 a.m. You're catching your muskie at noon, and you're in the hot tub by three. You don't have that's anything right. to worry about with the. With the and the fair and, and Owen, Owen is grilling steaks normally by about 6:30, and uh, you know I'm 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 working on dinner. Believe me, this this trip is it's it's it is. It's as much, you know, relaxation by way of doing the things that I enjoy, meaning cooking and fishing and bullshitting with my buddies and, you know, Reagan sitting out in your, in your shop and, you know, you know, and, and just oh. shooting the shit, man. That's solving um, the world's problems. Absolutely. Right. We've had, it's funny about this. I had this, uh, well, I had two shops, but what we, I have this shop at my lodge. We had one at Mascon's too. And uh, I've, I sort of have it set up as like a man cave in my garage. And how many stories, Owen, how many countless nights have we spent in the man cave? Oh, yeah. You know, just having a few beers after fishing, just just doing what we're doing now, you know? Just Absolutely, hanging out, man. Talking. And that's, I, I look forward to that as much as I do the fishing, to be honest. Absolutely, man. Awesome. And I, I, I tell these guys all the time, and, and I think Nick got to, got to experience it. Like, you know, it's not. I don't take this as a typical resort experience or like I'm going up there and, and I find, I've found that I, I, you and I get along very, very well. So, you know, I, I feel like I'm going up there to hang out with a buddy more than I'm going up there to ha to hire a guide. Do you know what cool. I mean? Yeah. And, and, and by the same token, like this is the way you make a living. And I, and, and by all means, like I'm, I've never one to, you know, like there's no, there's no idea that, Oh, your time isn't worth, you know, being paid for. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah totally. It, like, like, like this is, it's a very important thing. No, you know, I, I, I like, think. 
you know, and from a guiding perspective, like I'm sure you guys have talked to lots of guys and you know this, but like from my perspective on, it's like every time, you know, you guys come up, it's like I'm fishing with, you know, my, my best friends, you know, and it's just, I, you know, there's certain, you know, I'll have new people on my schedule and think, okay, well, this is going to be like a new day and it's going to be difficult and it's going to be hard or whatever. But when you guys are up and when you come up home, it's just like, man, it's like, it's like I'm on, I feel guilty because I'm on vacation. You know, I'm just right. out there on the boat with you guys and, um, and we'll fish late into the evening, you know, because yeah. I'm, I'm enjoying myself, you know, and it's just, it's just, uh, I'm so fortunate to be able to have, you know, guys like guys like you and, and, and Nick and, you know, the other guys I hope to meet and, uh, really means a lot to me. It really does. And so, you know, you're another, not to, you know, harp on why to hire a guide, but going back to how big Lake Nipissing is. And, you know, if you if we were to come up there, like Ryan said, what's included? If we would, we would have to rent, we would rent a rental boat or we'd bring our own boat, right? Yeah, you can do that. Yeah. Okay. So Lake can... Nipissing is yeah. a gigantic body of water. So with a rental boat, you're not realistically going to be able to cover much more than a portion of the West Bay. Oh, like, like obviously, like the guy in like, West Arm. Yeah, like, like my boat is a, uh, it's a Triton 216 with a 350 on it. So we're like, I burn all, you know, I, we go far as you know, and like we will run long distances, like we'll go 40 miles. But it's and, like, and, it's like running a long distance in a Cadillac as opposed to running a long distance in, yeah, uh, you know, exactly. in, so, in, in grandma's old Chevy you know, citation. But I mean, you know, what's funny is like that being said, you know, um, here's the funny thing about Nipissing. So I'll tell you a quick story. So the first time I booked a trip on Nipissing, um, you know, when I was like in my early twenties, we booked a, this is how I first you know, got on to Nipissing. We booked a, a cottage on the south shore of Nipissing, okay, right on the main lake. Um, my buddy had a six, I think it was like a 17 foot or 16 and a half or 17 foot Alumacraft with a, with a 90 on it. Um, you know, we can only fish a couple of days. And uh, because the wind was so bad, like it was when the wind, when the lake blows up, you can't go on it. And so the good thing about where we are on the West Bay um, is every single day you can fish that. And we're probably, you know, I would say 15 miles from the actual main lake. So we've got plenty of 50 inchers in West Bay and the West Arm. Um, the big lake does probably hold the bigger fish. Like, you know, if you're talking like 54. Percentage wise. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, you'll catch, I've heard of 55s caught in our area and 54s, but in turn, like the bigger fish are probably going to be in the bigger body of water. The problem is, um, you know, if you stay on the main lake on Nipissing, um, you might not be able to fish it for, for three or four or five days in a row, because if, it, if it's anything above a 15 kilometer per hour wind, you can't go out. And that could be for like four days. So, yeah. and, and you've been there with me on when, when, when shit picks up and it gets windy, right? It's like oh, yeah. every single day I wake up and it's like, is today uh, a main lake day or is today like a, a West Bay, West Arm day? Right. Uh, honestly, time, I think we, we talk more about wind than we do moon phases, yeah, it gets rough out there. It's really, really rough. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you a quick story. So this year, um, I was out. Uh, I think I did. I tell you the story how we almost died. I don't think. I think I texted you, baby. But anyway, so so I was out there um, in uh, October. I want to say October, early early November. No, I don't think you told me this. Yeah. So anyway, so I had. So what I do is in October, I keep my boat here in North Bay because I'm not up at the resort as much. So I'll keep my boat in my driveway in North Bay. And then we'll launch out of North Bay and I'll guide out of North Bay, like Hunter's Bay, the whole east side of Nipissing. 
so anyway, so I had my boat here, uh, a local guy, a doctor and his friend wanted to go out uh, fishing. So I took him out of, um, out of this side of the lake up calendar Bay. We went on calendar Bay and, uh, the wind didn't look too bad though. The weather forecast said, uh, it was like a 15 K, um, East wind, which meant, you know, we were sheltered by the East side. So the wind was blowing from the East. So the shore was going to kind of protect us. So we were kind of, okay, 15 K wind manageable, right? Manageable. So we're out there fishing. Um, and then, you know, we weren't, nothing was really happening in that area. So I said to the guys, you know, let's run to the mouth of the French river and check out the whole, you know, all that stuff in front of the French river. So we ran out there, you know, all of a sudden, you know, we're driving out there and the rollers are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I think, you know, what was forecasted as a 15 K wind all of a sudden got up to like, you know, maybe 40 K, which Holy is shit. That's a, that's it. And we were in some big rollers and you know, my boat's 21 and a half feet long and you know, I was like, okay, well, this is, this is not looking so good. So I said to the guys, you know, we're going to have to head back. So, but at this point we're like 40 miles from where we started. So we started heading back across the lake and um, we can't go fast. Like we're just, I don't know if you guys have been in bad weather before. I'm sure on Lake Erie you have, but we're just like, just going down these rollers and um, uh, we got hit by a rogue wave. So this, this, you know, like, you know, when you get hit by everything's fine. Then all of a sudden a rogue wave. Sideways. Like, boom, like we're heading straight into it. So we were heading back into the waves. A uh, rogue wave hits us, comes right through. We all get soaked. And it's like October, so it's cold. So we're like, holy shit, like that was kind of scary. Well, let's keep going. So we keep going. Another oh boy that's, that's even bigger, um, the guy's knapsack uh, was on the front deck. The guy's knapsack goes out of the boat. A bunch of my fishing lures go out of the boat. And it, it hit us like, like, a, like you got hit by Muhammad Ali, this wave. And we were like all in shock when it hit us. We're like, what the fuck just happened? Everything's all over the place. Um, the guy's that's scary, the man. And then he's like, and then I'm like, guys, we got to turn around. We got to turn around. Like we can't keep going to the waves. We got we to ride the waves back the other direction. And, um, and I said to the guy, I said, do you need that bag? Because his bag was like, his knapsack was in the water. And he's, I said, do you need that bag? And he said, no, no, I don't, I don't need it. Let's just turn around and go. And I said, is your wallet in that bag? And he said, yeah, it is. And then I said, well, I got to get paid. <laughs> so I, I took I took my musky net and we we pulled we luckily I was holding him by the pants and we pulled this this bag out of the water we got it and then we um we we had to ride ride the waves all the way back to Paradise Cove where my lodge is so we started oh. out on the North Bay side we had to oh ride holy shit all, yeah so you went you went all the way from the other side of the lake all North the way to paradise Cove, yeah, like, like 70 miles yeah and we just rolled the waves the whole way and they were like like i'm not even kidding you it was like 10 foot rollers and we were just riding the rollers all the way back it was wild wow so that'd be sketchy that was sketchy yikes i've heard it's a dangerous place i've never got the chance to get up there reagan but i've heard a lot of horror stories about that lake donnie you had a you had a question Donnie's on mute. Sorry, I had to unmute there. Uh, he kind of touched on it. My, I was just going to ask about the uh, the boat situation. If we were, you know, if somebody was coming up, I, I know you spoke about rentals, which is kind of what I figured. But uh, like, what exactly are these rentals? Are, are you renting these, or are these be, like are, are they getting rented somewhere else? And what kind of boats uh, would are we going to be fishing out of? I'm just interested to know. Oh yeah, they're, they're they're actually they're really nice boats. They're um so they're uh, legend, um I think they're legend sixteens, uh, sixteen foot okay. legend with forty horsepower Mercs. 
you know, center con or not center console, side console, um, you know, trolling motor, the whole shebang. So okay. it was pretty cool, Donnie. What what Nick and I did was we took my Humminbird unit, and because on on the rental unit, Reagan has a I think it's a Humminbird five Helix five. Yeah, Helix five. And so okay. I took I took my seven, and and it just plugged right in. And because I had my map card in there, so I could do the auto uh, the auto chart. Right. Right. So because we we thought about just taking my card out of my unit and in putting it in the one up there but then nick was like why don't we just take the whole damn unit you know just take the whole thing and sure enough you know reagan's got the exact same ram mount on the rental unit that i have so it was just putting my unit on and plugging plugging it in and boom i have a, a helix 7 on the on on the rental rental boat with auto chart it was beautiful yeah worked perfect that was perfect for casting two guys out of it was yeah. Nice. yeah. Well, the one we had, I think that only had like a 20 or 25 yeah, it, on it. Well, it, it had 25 on because during the COVID crisis, we couldn't yeah. get a 40 horse. So it will, the other mode had a 40, that one, our 40 was still in order, but it'll have a 40 on it when you guys come next time, because apparently 40 horsepower Mercs are the most popular motor in the world. Oh, and, really? Uh, that horsepower. And uh, you couldn't get one for like, uh, they were, uh, when I was talking to my dealer, apparently they were like 500 mores back ordered at the time. So we'll have one for when you guys come up next for sure. Nice. So Reagan, how's your boat doing? Uh, like how many hours do you have on your, on your, on that engine? Uh, I think I've, I'm up to like a thousand hours now. Two, two so what, what, what's the expected lifespan of those things? Well, uh, Danny had, uh, Danny Columbia had a 300 Verado and, uh, he had, uh, I think 4,500 hours on his or something like that. Wow. Okay. I've heard of guys getting 10,000 hours on those, on those motors. Wow. So they're That's really impressive. bold. Like they're, they're fantastic motors. You know, it's funny when, um, when, so, so those Verados, uh, my 350 is a, it's a, a six cylinder inline. It's an inline six cylinder supercharged, uh, motor. Okay. Um, the new ones are like Jim Sarek had a 300, uh, V8, it was a V8 300 and it was way worse on fuel than the, um, inline six supercharger. I was surprised huh. the 350. So, you know, it's, it's actually, huh. it's not bad on fuel. Like obviously fuel prices are going up. I'm sure it is with you guys as well, but uh, oh, yeah. it's, not, it's not bad on fuel, but, um, it's also not great. <laughs> you know, it's like. How much have you been affected by the uh, by the whole trucker thing? I mean, are prices going up or what's, you know, the Canadian trucker strike? Yeah, I, I don't think that uh, is affecting the fuel price as much as just, just you know, Canadian fuel prices have always been more. And um, our government's doing a lot more carbon taxing. So that's driving up the price. So, I mean, right now, uh, I don't have my calculator in front of me to do the conversion. But right now, I think we're at like a buck seventy. Um, you know, per liter for, for gasoline, which is pretty expensive. Like it's, it's probably a lot more than what you guys are paying. Yeah. That'd be... well, we're at like three fifty a gallon. What's yeah, that so, work out to? So Nick, how's your math? It, I roughly, <laughs> you'd roughly multiply by four, something yeah. like that. It's like 3.7 <laughs> liters to a gallon. I think it's 3.7. Yeah. Nick's the nerd. Yeah. So six thirty a gallon. Yeah. That's crazy. Holy shit. What? Yeah. Oh, Woo. shit. So yeah. guiding, you know. You think guiding, I'm a homebody here. I wouldn't leave my house. Yeah. So think about that. <laughs> guiding. 
So if you're guiding on a lake like Lake Nipissing and you're going to burn that many gallons, like that is, has to, that's, that has to go into the cost of, oh. of the guide. You well, know? Like, like I, I go through, um, as you know, and like, if we're, if, if I really want to give you guys the best experience on Nipissing, I don't want to like say to you, you know, we're not going to drive here because we don't want to spend the money on fuel. I'm going to drive. Right. There, right? We're going to go. And um, on a typical day, musky guiding, like walleye fishing, pike fishing, bass fishing, I won't, I'll spend, you know, I'll probably go through 60 liters. If I'm musky fishing, like I can go through 120 liters, no problem in a day. So yeah, it adds up. That's crazy. Yep. It's, it's, it's uh, the, um, you know, the, uh, the climate change people wouldn't like me. <laughs> well you know but it's almost like there's not a there's not a viable option you know there's if if there becomes a a, a better a better option maybe the, hey man, if somebody can but, come up with an electric motor that gives me 350 horsepower that i can you know drive 65 miles an hour across the lake on i'll be I, right. I'll, I'll sign up tomorrow absolutely you know, you know yeah absolutely so Nick, do you have any other questions you want to ask? I guess uh, I know of one big fish. What was your biggest fish of the year? This year? Yeah. Uh, 52 is our biggest yeah. uh, this past year. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, so yeah, that was the biggest this year. And we did pretty well with you guys. We got, I think, oh, and we got a 50, didn't we? We got a 50. Yeah, we got a 50 and a quarter. 50 and a quarter. And then uh, what was your fish, Nick? 46 i think it came out to yeah and it actually looks the, the you you have a great hold i gotta say nick because that fish <laughs> i still look at that picture and I, I i showed that picture to a lot of guys and they think it's like a 50 something oh i know <laughs> dude i'm telling you when nick that fish when nick's fish was in the net yeah. when nick's fish was in the net i was sure it was bigger than mine i because it, yeah. it was just like it was thicker i don't know i mean yeah. that that was just a big fish man i've been practicing holding them with my toes so I can get a little further back. But awesome. it Those was Edinburgh guys know how to make 46s look like 50s. Nick doesn't take a lot of pictures, but when he I does. Can make it, I can make a 22 look legal. <laughs> hey, size isn't everything, but sometimes it is, right? That's right. It's all about the angles. So hey, what, what, angler. I just Ryan, say, go ahead. It's, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Ryan. No, go ahead, go ahead Ryan. I was just going to say quickly, we, we, uh, on that note, we need to tell the story of when you guys were up, uh, Owen and Nick on what happened and how we caught those fish. And it was just, just goes to show you how crazy musky fishing is. So, yeah. so we're out there, we're out there with Owen and Nick and, um, you know, like I, we, we were doing more casting, right. We were casting more. I know Owen and Nick like to cast more. So I was actually trying to cast more and we pull up and it was pretty wavy out. And uh, we're out in the main lake and uh, we're probably in like 15 K winds out in the main lake, which is pretty fucking wavy. And so Owen and Nick are sort of like bobbing up and down in the front of the boat. And I'm trying to control the boat. I got my remote control, Lawrence. Like I, we're I have... saying, when we're saying they're bobbing up and down, like there are times that the trolling motor is coming out of the water. Yeah. That's, typical. you know, like, it, like, it's like, you hear the, and yeah. like, as we're going up and down, up and down, yeah, so, so I've got one of those like Altera, like really expensive Altera motors that just self-deploys, you know, because I'm always deploying it. So anyway, we're pulling up to this like reef, like right in the middle of Nipissing and I have it marked pretty well. I think I know where the reef is, but anyway, I'm pulling up in these waves on this reef. Like, of course, I'm always nose into the wind, right? Like that's how I always cast nose into the wind because you can control your boat better. 
So I'm, I'm pulling up to this shoal and I guess it got a bit too close to it because, because all of a sudden the, the bow lifted up and then it went down and then my, my Altera just did this, just like went straight up and you just, it just smashed. And like the Alteras have that little belt in it, that little belt that sort of like come, makes it come up. There's like a, yeah, there's like a, a, a yeah. rubber belt. That, that thing was like a limp dick, just, just hanging off the side <laughs> of the motor. It was done. And so like, that's like a $4,000. I don't know. I think it's like a $4,000 more just pooched. So at that point I'm like, holy fuck, like what the hell? So then with the Alteras, like, I don't know if you guys have seen these, but you have to get them out of the water after they break. Right. And so you don't just mm -hmm. like pull them up like a regular trolling motor. So I'm getting, you know, Nick and Owen to sort of like keep the boat pointed in the waves. And I'm up on the front of the boat, like, you know, four foot rollers doing Trying this, to like, lift this get the thing, thing out. And so eventually we get this thing out of the water, but I think that was that on our second last day owner or last day. That, that was the last day. So, yeah. so the, the day before that, was when Nick somehow fucked up and didn't uh, plug the trolling motor in. Yeah. Or, it no, was plugged no, no, in. No, no, I'm just Come kidding. On, Nick. It was plugged in. <laughs> no, the, the fuse GFCI popped. Yeah. So we were so we were out on the we were out in the middle of the lake and we're casting and the trolling motor died. So that was day number one. And so that was at like two o'clock. And so right there, we're like, shit, like, what are we going to do? We're in the middle of the lake. That's right. We have, we have to troll now. So yeah. we decide to, so we're, we're like, okay, we're going to troll and boom, 50 and a quarter. You know, yeah, we hadn't, exactly. we hadn't That's seen a fish. We yeah. hadn't seen a real fish for like two days, like a good fish for two no. days. And, it's so and, funny. The, and we were so bummed because the trolling motor died and we're like in the middle of the lake and, and, you know, it's just one of those things, man. Serendipity. You know, I, I'm that's, I'm a believer in that shit. That's exactly what happened when it, we, we the trolling motor died the first day, and then so we stayed on that one really good spot in Nipissing, and we fucking I had so I had so many trails on that spot. I'm thinking like you couldn't even see the spot anymore because there were so many trails on it, and we just kept we were it was like you know when you guys are trolling for like eight hours and you're just like this, there's like yeah just just going right and just we're not that, yeah at this point it's the end of the day i think it was like 5 30 it was late it was late, it was yeah. late yeah. like we were depressed and like nobody was paying attention all of a sudden it just goes and uh owen pulls in a nice 15 and a quarter and then yeah and then the next day um so we got this gorgeous fish and then the next day was when uh, we had the trolling motor accident so it's like oh we're, we're trolling again so same thing yeah we got to troll yeah. again and we, and, and and we so actually we, went to a spot that we went to a spot that you hadn't had any success on this year because because yeah. uh, the weeds just didn't come up the same. We we're yeah. like, ah, oh, you know, since we have the time, let's let's hit this spot. And, and it's a casting spot. It was a casting spot. Yep. We said, fuck it, let's short line and troll. There's like a shallow weed bed. And so we I think we set our we set a perch bait down, like you know, like we put like like I don't know, like, like uh 12 feet on a perch bait. 12, or yeah, 12, 15 feet maybe. On a, per, on a joint of perch bait, and then all of a sudden Nick pulls in a nice one. So if we didn't yeah. do that, we would have got those two fish. We'd have trolling water problems. So right, so. and that's what I mean. Like it's kind of the serendipity part of musky yeah. fishing in general. Go ahead, Donnie. I, I just have a question for Reagan on the uh, the topic of casting versus trolling. Here is we're kind of he you know he's mentioning trolling over a casting spot, and it just made me think. Uh, it seems like you do a pretty good mix of both there. Would you say, you know, what what percentage of big fish come, say, casting to trolling or vice versa? How are you getting your biggest fish? Do you catch more trolling or more casting? Is it split? I see. 
I'd say it's a little bit more trolling, but not a lot more. I would say right. maybe a little bit better trolling. I just think the way Nipissing sets up, it's such a big body of water. I think trolling is just more effective. Like it's funny when Sarek was up, he said, uh, you know, he, he told me he always trolled Nipissing. He said, I hardly ever cast a Nipissing. I almost always troll. And that's the guy that's been fishing that lake for like 20 years. And so that, you know, I, I, casting certain spots, yes, but I would say in general, trolling is more effective i just think it's such a big body of water and we have caught we have the, we caught our biggest fish casting but we've caught the majority of our bigger fish trolling okay yeah That's it pretty was cool. pretty cool donnie we stopped and where we caught owen's big fish we cast it a little bit and raised a couple real nice ones throwing big rubber mm-hmm. kind of did the opposite and casted a trolling yeah. spot yeah, yeah, the trolling the trolling yeah. spot that we're talking about, that's the spot that if I were ever to go up there, if we like if we were ever to do a November an early November trip yeah. where we were just like we were gonna go cast bulldogs and just big rubber, it would be yeah. on that trolling spot that we're, we're talking about. At least in my head, that's where I would want to go. That one trolling spot because it's 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 like deep humps, you know um it's it's stuff that you don't see here in western pennsylvania that type of structure but man i i just i think about that i love that i love thinking of the structure up there yeah, oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's incredible and uh like the one thing you guys will notice when you come up here too is it's and Owen, you'll you know you'll um agree with this is like nick um you know you could be out there on a saturday for like eight hours and you don't see one other boat and you're and you're covering 40 miles it's incredible like you don't know, the only uh, other boat we saw was was Danny. I mean, yeah, really, yeah. must be fishing. Yeah, and he was only yeah. fishing with one hook. <laughs> yeah, with, yeah, with, yeah, with Robin. Remember with Robin when he had the. <laughs> get, he <laughs> I swear to God. Okay, so we're already at the two-hour point, but we got to tell this story. Hey, Danny hey, Columbia. Oh, oh, I, I, I got to take a piss, but keep talking. Okay, I'll yeah, no, go ahead, go ahead, go go for it. Danny <laughs> Columbia. We've talked about him and he is just the absolute legend up there. And so part of his legendary status is that he likes to experiment quite a bit. And one of his experiments is that he decided at some point that he didn't want to fish with any hooks, like none. Yeah. So he wanted to put... He was putting some sort of fish oil, fish oil, some sort of fish oil, oil herring oil on like grandma Shadzillas. or like uh, on like. Um, I think he said the Shadzillas or Shadzillas or the not the grandma's the believers swim. Yeah, believers. Yeah. And he's literally just fishing, trying to get just trying to see fish and trying to not catch them, but just get them to latch on and he was convinced that if he could get a a muskie to latch on to that bait that regardless of the hook it was going to stay on if he handled it correctly so i don't know how that whole experiment ended up working out he was was telling us about that he had one bite the shadzilla kind of clamped down until it did a head shake and then threw us but he said the cool the coolest thing was you said that as soon as it came back in the water, the fish started falling again. Because it wasn't hooked. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't spooked. It was never, yeah. it never had that feeling of you are 
hooked, you're in danger. It was just a, a basically a prey fish, uh, you know, that, that got away. away yeah. And so it kept, kept going after it. So his idea was, I mean, kind of like, Hey, can I figure out where muskies are? Or can I learn more about these fish by, by doing this ask by, by, you know, fishing this way. But so fast forward to this year, Reagan's telling us about this whole, you know, theory that, that Danny has and, you know, part of you, when you hear the whole theory, you're like, there's no way that this guy's this, this crazy, you know, that he's fishing without hooks. All right. So we go out there and we're on one of the big spots out on Lake Nipissing. And sure enough, there's Danny and, and he's with, with a buddy of his and in his buddy's boat. And he's yelling over to us. Reagan's yelling over to him and he's yelling over to us. And, and I forget exactly what he said. Nick, you might remember it better, he but it was something, something like back like I was gonna come out with you guys, but I don't think you'd have any fun fishing with no hooks. <laughs> right. <laughs> and like and like we didn't believe it. Like and we didn't believe that Reagan was saying that hey, he's fishing without hooks. And then literally the first thing out of Danny Columbia's words <laughs> mouth was, I don't think you'd want to fish with me because I'm not fishing with hooks. <laughs> and then he held like, up he goes a believer with just a single the single, that, like, yeah. first he had the, the figure first the first hook on, hook on the believer. Yeah. And it's just, and I guess that's kind of what makes musky fishermen insane. It tick, right? You know, you know, but Danny's funny because like one thing with Danny, like he doesn't want to hurt the fish. Like he's almost like, right. uh, he's almost like the PETA, the PETA guy of musky fishing. Like he, he legitimately cared. He cares so deeply for these fish that he doesn't want to hurt them, you know? And so he uh, got into this thing with fishing without hooks. It was so funny because I missed a bit of that story when I was taking a, a piss, but um, he wasn't hooking his fish for a while in this Chadzilla. Then the, then the next time I fished with him, he had one hook on there. And uh, so I'm like, oh, like, Danny got a hook in there. He's like, well, yeah, I missed a few. So we're going to put one hook on now. See what happens. <laughs> right? So he still wants to catch the fish. It's like, okay, interesting. But I mean, for me, like, I'll put like 10 hooks on if I could. <laughs> like, I just want to catch the fish, you know? Absolutely. Well, anyone else uh, have any any questions that they wanted to bring up? I I I've, I apologize if this has turned into like me and Reagan bullshitting with one another. I, I kind of That's feel right. feel that way. What but, else uh, would it have been? Uh, Reagan yeah. would speak so highly of you. We would we would think you were Jesus. I mean, it's That's, he oh, wow. loves what you got going up there. Loves the program. I do. That's man. the whole reason why I wanted to make sure I got on here tonight. I just wanted to listen to Reagan's stories and get pumped up for this trip. So this was awesome. Dude, I I mean it when I say like I like you guys. When I first started going to Canada, when I first went there with my dad, you know, I didn't have a single musky buddy. Like no musky friends, not one. Um, now I feel like five years, five years down the road, like now that I have musky friends, I feel like. I would be, I would, I would not be a good musky friend if I didn't invite you guys to what I feel like I've kind of, you know, learned up there. Do you know what I mean? Like, if uh -huh. I don't want to be that guy that's like, oh, you know, don't, you know, don't, don't come fishing with me because that's my, that's my thing. It's like, this is awesome. Like, this is something that like, I, the week that I go up there is something I look forward to all year long. And if I can, and I, I want to expand it into, you know, maybe two, maybe three weeks at some point. But if I can include other people in that and have other people enjoy it with me as much as I enjoy it, man, then I'm 
I think I'm doing somebody a favor. And I, 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 I hope that that's what I can provide. Cause that's what, when I say come up there and, and fish with me, that's what it is, man. It's like, just come, just come have fun. I'm uh, curious to see how many of our listeners show up. Yeah. For <laughs> I've the Canadian been adventure. inviting them every episode <laughs> since we started this thing. I, I have one <laughs> quick question for, for Reagan. Yeah. I think I know the answer to this, but I, I want to ask it anyway. What, what, and if you're okay answering this, if what was the biggest fish you've caught on a charter to date? It was actually Owen's fish, believe it or not. We, we got a 54, and that was the biggest one we've, we've gotten so far. I've, I've gotten personally on my boat, so yeah, Owen was the guy, he got it, you know. So, it was a, a life changing, life changing event, yeah, and I mean we, that we got lots of 52s, 53 and a half, uh, but yeah, Owen's was the 54. Um, there's bigger ones on Nipissing, you know, every year it seems like everybody, every year there's a, there's a two or three, you know, 55s or 56s you hear of, um, they're out there, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm still hammering away trying to, trying to break that 54 inch mark, but, uh, Nipissing is world record potential water. Like you just don't know, like, uh, I mean, Matt O'Brien, um, this year, I think they got a 56, was it? no that dude no that dude down on the french river got like a 58 and a quarter was that what it was yeah who was that yeah that was the young guy um i forget what his name is right yeah i remember looking at that picture yeah so you can you can they're they're there and it's like every single you know it's funny story um uh i remember the one time we were casting so the biggest fish that i saw in nipissing was actually aside from the one that owen caught was one that owen brought to the boat so Owen's more like my good luck charm. Like it's incredible. <laughs> we're casting. It's so funny. Like you guys know how you have like big fish uh, spots and small fish spots, you know, oh, yeah. you have some spots that are like small fish spots. Right. But I, I have small fish spots in my, you know, arsenal of spots because I know I can just get fish for people. Right. So we're fishing this small fish spot and we've never caught in anything bigger than like a, I don't know, like a, I think the biggest fish we ever caught there is like maybe like a 40 incher on the spot and uh it used to be a really good spot but it's sort of just too much pressure died off so every time i pull up there i'm like yeah we're not going to see anything bigger than a 40 inch here but we could get a fish so anyway owen is religious with like figure eighting like he is like you know i've never seen i must say out of all the guys that i've had on my boat um owen is a very um he's a very i don't know what the words athletic fisherman like he just, he, he casts well, he does his, his figure eights well, everything is done very well. So anyway, I always say, I, I have this like sort of like um, uh, thing on the boat where when we're fishing a spot, I always say, okay, last cast. I always say last cast, right? Because, you know, when I say last cast, a lot of times we'll, we'll get a fish. So Owen's, I say last cast, Owen's bringing in his bait. And I think because I said last cast, he didn't do his figure eight. He just pulls the bait. And as he pulls in the bait without doing the figure eight, I swear to God, the biggest fish I've ever seen on Nipissing on this small fish spot just came up and just did one of these, just went up and down. And uh, it just goes to show like, you know, you always finish, right? It's like, you remember that one? Yeah, absolutely. And in yeah. the figure eighting, I think I've caught a number of fish on Nipissing in a figure eight that just kind of came out of nowhere. I remember one on yeah. Max Milk, Yeah, just yeah. like, and it was only like a 43. But it was it, it just same thing. I just it was a lazy, lazy figure 
great, you know, and I just, I think we were just bullshitting while, while yeah, it's going yeah, on and yeah. you just keep, as long as you keep the bait and that's really what it is. It's keeping the bait in the water. Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't even necessarily think it's, it's how, yeah, how you do your figure eight matters, but it's keeping the bait in the water as long as you yeah. possibly can. Yeah. Because you just never know, man. Like we've had that talk. We've talked before about how when you have like on these new electronics, you can see that these muskies are following and just kind of staying out there on the periphery. And sometimes that that late figure eight is what, you know, what triggers it. Yeah, yeah 100%. So, guys, what do you what do you think? I see Reagan's dog is uh... a yeah, dog. coming up. That's my, that's my boy, Finn. Boy, pay attention to me <laughs> oh man i have say. i've had an absolute blast i could i could talk to you for another you know five hours Drake, and 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 hopefully you know hopefully come come september these guys will be up there in canada with us and we'll be fishing i know i'm coming up in september guys, I'm, Nick, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking live podcast from our lodge in september yes with danny columbia with danny, oh you guys have to have Danny on your show. You should. Absolutely. Oh, no, dude. I abs- I would kill to have Danny on my show. I don't know I'll, if he I'll would do him. it. I'll tell him. He, he'll do it. He would love to. Ryan's going to rig up microphones from the hot tub, and we'll do a live one from the tub. I like it. <laughs> that, that can get, he'll hang, that, he'll, that, it'll get extremely creepy, but I like it. Uh, yeah. He'll <laughs> hang like the music studio ones hanging from the roof, you know? That's what we <laughs> In the That's hot late tub. night hot tub vibes. Yep. Well, you... You guys, I was planning on staying at home this year and trying no to way, fish Ryan. locally, but you might have talked me into it. I, I might have to, <laughs> I might have to pull some strings. We'll see. Dude, Stop buying Ryan. so many trolling baits, and maybe your wife oh, will it, let you come. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with vacation time at this point. But we'll we'll see how it goes. What I learned on my trip to Canada is don't even bring any of your trolling baits. Regan has the magic ones. All <laughs> it's all good. Uh, I don't know. I think I got to bring some of those Leos and I want to, I want to run. Uh, some well, you know, honestly, no, Donnie, we brought, we thought the same thing. We were like, uh, Nick brought a bunch of, of, you know, Wiley's we ran fat boys. And for whatever reason, this one stupid jointed perch bait with a, with a fouled up treble hook <laughs> caught every damn fish. <laughs> that's that's the secret. That's we the can't secret all run anybody. the same perch bait. Can we? Cut one barb off. <laughs> I still got it. It's still it's still money. Believe me. <laughs> well, man, I am absolutely looking forward to it. And Reagan, I can't thank you enough for taking yeah. the time to uh, to join us here on on the fledgling podcast, the Musky Hunks podcast. Do the boys have anything else they want to ask Reagan before before we cut this off? And you guys get to see him in September when we all go up there. I guess uh, everybody just watch out for the the Musky Hunter TV episode with uh, Reagan. That's right. It. So that's, that's, yes, that's coming up this week. Uh, that'll be February, February I think, 17th. Yeah. Yes, yeah, that's not, what I had on my calendar. We, we didn't do very well, so you're not looking forward to much, but uh, anyway. That's all right. We'll get to see your rugged Canadian that's, hands. That's busky fishing, man. Like, like oh, don't even get the me fact started. That, like, uh, I like, I mean, the fact that the Jim Sarah comes up there, he knows the lake as well as he does. Yeah. And you know the lake as well as you do. And you didn't catch a fish. That just means it's hey, a tough, we caught fish. tough we, caught, we caught fish, but we also lost a lot of fish. So yeah. anyway, it was fun. You know, that's musky fishing. You guys know how it works. And uh, it's all good, baby. 
And you know, I, I gotta say, I, I love the podcast, guys. I love the the name Musky Hunks. Like, look at the good looking guys on this on this panel. <laughs> oh god, it's just oh, it's just oozing sexuality out of here. <laughs> Maybe we do the hot tub episode. Yeah. Oh man, it's getting. I real. can't wait to get the Nipissing and start doing the shirtless musky picks and hot tub. <laughs> and it's gonna be a lot of fun. We're coming out. With I, knew, I knew we would have some good chemistry here, boys. We're gonna have to put we, some beaver on the in the back. We should hide the address guys we don't want like women showing up like we should hide it right yeah <laughs> he only has three cabins i mean jeez we're gonna do the the nip calendar release <laughs> i like it <laughs> well seriously oh, i've had a blast guys I, I thank you everyone for for taking the time here and i can't wait this will come out next week okay awesome guys thanks so much for having me and uh, yeah, appreciate Reagan. It. we'll see thanks, you guys Reagan. In Reagan. all right in brother September, man. Reagan. Hey boys. Later. Take care. Yeah. Bye. I had to shake him on my last case. Big O don't play. Big o.